listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Good evening and welcome to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside James Montefusco, Kyle Russo, and Fonz DeFalco. This is our very first OBS broadcast. Shout out to Fonz for setting this up. Kyle and James, my other two hitmen, great to have you guys here. We do broadcast live on Facebook Live, Friday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Obviously, we're now virtual, so we're going to try something new here tonight. If you want to call in... um, Comment on our stream, and I will privately message you my phone number. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Review and Preview. Quick rundown of how tonight's going to go. We're going to talk about our NFL quick pick punishments. We'll recap Fonz's. We'll talk about James, as you can see on our uh, topics. And then we'll talk about our NFL mock drafts for round one. This is what the show is going to be tonight. We're very much looking forward to, uh, to it. And we're excited to have you guys. Uh, yeah, and uh, feel free to comment. We'll try to get back to you as soon as we can. Um, all right, guys. So um, first off, Fonz, thank you very much for doing that punishment. You really rocked it. Uh, <laughs> explain what you did for us as the Week 16 NFL Quick Picks loser. Yeah, so uh, I had to dress up while put on my Titans jersey, uh, my second favorite team, always in the mix. Uh, I had to basically give uh, the team a shout out for beating my Baltimore Ravens. Uh, God, twenty four to twelve or twenty eight to twelve. Uh, embarrassing, yes. Uh, but I had to say the excellent Ryan Tannehill, the Groundhog, Derrick Henry, El Tractor Cito. It was great stuff. I, I enjoyed it. It was a fun punishment to film, and I'm glad uh, the fans here liked it. I'm glad everyone likes us trying out the OBS, and I think we all look good for the most part. I think we're all good now. You know, uh, yeah, little, with something new. So- we got to try something new. So, James copied my clothing apparel tonight, so we're going to have to deal with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what Fonz's punishment was, is, as he just recapped, he had to list the Tennessee Titans starting roster. Um, again, th- this was uh, Fonz, quote-unquote, made fun of the Titans early on in the season as his least favorite NFL team, or at least one of them, because every year they're always in the mix. And uh, this year... For certain, they were very much well in the mix up until two weeks before the Super Bowl. Yeah, because, yeah, they beat the Patriots never doubt them again. Yeah, they beat the Patriots, beat the Ravens, the two best teams, probably the favorites, at least represent the AFC side outside of the Chiefs. And yeah, that's all I got to say. Tom it was very, uh, it was upsetting to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you can check out Fonz's video on IGTV on our instagram account it's also up on our facebook page if you want to watch it we're looking forward to it um and we're looking forward to funds doing his big loser punishment uh, i believe you were the postseason loser as well so it seems like these punishments keep racking up on you just a little bit come on tom why do we have to start the show off like that come on i was already excited to get the show running with the obs and everything and uh we're official officially official live stream now you bring me down with this I'm looking yeah, forward to I, what uh, I, you guys have in mind for me uh, James Montefusco, happy two years as a member of Review and Preview. Two Thank years. you. I can't believe it's been two years already. And what's better way to celebrate than having your Week 17 NFL punishment live on tonight's show? 
James, uh, explain what that is before we get into it. So, a week 17 loser, as Tom was just stating. I got to sing the first, uh, I think it's believe it's the first first half of the song of Take Me Home Country Roads, West Virginia. And explain your history with West Virginia, James. Ex- explain that for the viewers and listeners in case they don't know. Well, they're not a very, very uh, big, um, uh, they don't have an NFL team there. I don't think they got any sports teams there besides the colleges. It's just not one of my favorite states. <laughs> Everybody has those. So it is what it is. James, let me put it to you this way. This is a beautiful place up in the Appalachian Mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, a state so great, it needs to be called West Virginia. So you have North Carolina, you have South Carolina, you have North Dakota, South Dakota, but there's no other state that begins with West. And I, I think that's what makes the state so special. It can't even have its own name. So, that's you know, <laughs> home of zero professional sports teams. Home of famous athletes such as Randy Moss, Nick Swisher, Mike D'Antoni, also Lou Holtz, former uh, Notre Dame great head coach, former Giants starting quarterback Jeff Hostetler, uh, who played at West Virginia, former Giants Hall of Fame linebacker Sam Huff, who's in the Ring of Honor. Got to talk about Geno Smith, who replaced Eli Manning uh, (laughs) one week back in fun. That was a fun time. (laughs) I forgot about that. Coach Nick Saban. Uh, one of the best college football coaches ever. Uh, Darren Williams and white chocolate Jason Williams also hail from West Virginia. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to be nice. Instead of making you drive to West Virginia, we're going to have you sing the first two verses of the song. Uh, and, and without further ado, everybody, please join James Montefusco in the singing of Country Roads. Thank you. Living West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shadowhead River. I was old there, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze. Country roads take me home to the place. I belong West Virginia Country drama Take me home Country roads All my memories Gathered around her Mary's lady Stranger to the blue and dusty planted on the sky see taste of moonshine tear drop in my eye if you rose take me home to the place I belong West Virginia <laughs> mama mama take me home Country roads. Good job, James. Let's give him a round of applause, folks. 
Uh, I also have a little surprise. I oh, made let's a see. Nice, I made a nice little sign. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> Love it. Love it. To have its own name. So for those of you watching our live stream, for those of you listening back at home, the reason why we're having James do this, as we just uh, alluded to before the show, he was the Week 17 NFL Quick Picks loser. If you want to see James's exclusive video again, his wonderful masterpiece uh, project he's been studying on all, all week, it'll be on our Instagram account on IGTV, and we'll have a video posted on Facebook Live. I think that's tomorrow, right, James? That is that's correct. It will be live up tomorrow on Facebook. Beautiful. All right. So how did that feel? feels good to be done, right? It does how, feel how good to be done. Point? Because yeah. it, it was a burden, I'm not going to lie. I'm very concerned. I reached out to a couple of people that I knew on what I should potentially be doing. Um, but, you know, I'm glad it's over. It wasn't as bad as I thought. So hopefully the viewers get a nice little laugh out of it. I hope you three got a nice little laugh at it. And, uh, yeah. West Virginia is a state that's going to haunt James forever, guys. Okay, so. The very much anticipated mock draft round one of yes. 2020. So Kyle, James, Fonz, and myself will be bringing you guys content on how we think our first top 10 picks are going to go. And then after our top 10 picks, we'll transition. We'll analyze and break down the rest of the first round, get through as many picks as we can. We'll uh, bring up some talking points for you. And without further ado, um, we are going to start with Fonz. Since Fonz, of course, you... Uh, you put this all together. Tonight, we want to give you the distinctive honor of kicking us off with your top 10 picks of the 2020 NFL draft. All right, so we'll get it started. I think number one is pretty much guaranteed, you know, unless something crazy happens in this world. Uh, Joe Burrow to the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that's pretty obvious. I think pretty much we all have that. Uh, number two, same thing. I have Chase Young going to the Washington Redskins again. That's a top two. I feel like that's also guaranteed. Number three, a lot of people are discussing it back and forth on, like, maybe they go two or whatever. I have them still taking Jeff Okuda, cornerback from Ohio State. I think that's a perfect fit for them. They lost Darius Slay, and Matt Patricia loves defense, obviously, so that's a way they can bring him in and be the starting corner right away. Things get a little bit interesting. I know you guys really didn't agree with me. I have the Giants taking Tristan Wirfs, tackle from Iowa, at the number four spot. I think it's the best way to protect Danny Dimes. I know Isaiah Simmons is there. He's the flashy player, but you have to protect your franchise quarterback. Number five, Miami Dolphins. I, despite what's going on with his injured hip and failing physicals, I still think they take Tua, Tonga Vailoa. They can stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick for another year and then go in with Tua the following year in 2021. Chargers, I have them taking Justin Herbert quarterback from Oregon I feel like it's also kind of a guarantee they need a franchise quarterback I know I like Tyrod but I don't think he's going to be the answer for them there now at number seven the Panthers I have him taking Isaiah Simmons uh, I think he's a, a, a stud player I mean that guy can play linebacker and safety uh, I definitely can think rebuild the Panthers defense there number eight I have him taking Makai Beck and the Arizona Cardinals from Louisville uh, you want to protect Kyler Murray similar to Daniel Jones that's what you got to do there to protect him, and he's an athletic offensive tackle. Nine, the Jaguars. Derek Brown, that Jaguars defense is dismantled now. What better way to do it than bring a guy in like Derek Brown to clog up the middle? And number 10, the Cleveland Browns. I have him taking Andrew Thomas. I know a lot of tackles in my top 10. You can't go wrong with a good tackle. That's That was kind of the Browns' biggest problem was protecting Baker Mayfield in that offensive line. So Andrew Thomas is my pick for uh, number 10. So that's my top 10 right now. What do you guys think? I like it. So I like just it. 
just to clarify for you folks, we're not including trades. Uh, we'll bring up if we think a potential pick might get traded, uh, but that's the way we're going to do it for now. Um, fun. So you went Burrow at one, which yes. is pretty much a given at this point. Mm-hmm. Chase Young at number two. Then you went Jeff Okuda at three. Correct. And then you went Tristan Wirfs at number four. Correct. Number five, you went Tua. Uh, of course. Number six, Herbert. Number yes. seven, Simmons. Yes. Becton, eight, Brown, nine. And can you state number 10 for us one more time? Andrew Thomas, the tackle from Georgia for the Browns. So a lot of offensive linemen you have going in round one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that before we get to James. So I agree with majority of your positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, as a Giants fan, I think they're going to go defense with Isaiah Simmons. Um, reason why Giants haven't gone defense in the first round since 2016. Uh, however, I like Tristan Wirfs um, more than any other offensive lineman in this draft. If the Giants were to take one, Wirfs is the guy that I would want, Fonz. He is the guy I would want as my number two. Um, obviously, I think um, you bring up some prevailing points, but uh, let's get to James here. Uh, James, why don't you share with us your list and uh, All right. let's see what you got cooking in your top ten. So I'm going to go again, like Fon just said, like you said, uh, Joe Burrow for the Bengals, uh, number one. Redskins, I'm going Chase Young. Um, Lions, Jeff Okuda. Uh, Giants, I am going to go with Derek Brown. Uh, for the fifth pick, the Dolphins, Tua Toga Bailola. Uh, for six, Chargers, uh, Justin Herbert. Seven Panthers, Isaiah Simmons. Eight with the Cardinals, Jerick Williams. Nine with the Jaguars, Javon Kinlaw, if I'm saying that correctly. You are. And ten with the Browns, I'm going to go with McKinnian Becker. Becker. Nike Becton? Yep. Yeah, there we go. And then number eight, you said... Number eight was Jarek Williams. Okay. Wills, sorry. Jedrick Willis. All right. Yep. Willis. Again, a lot of offensive linemen. I like it. Uh, you have Simmons going seven, the same spot where Fonz has him going to the Carolina Panthers. Very interesting list. We'll break it down in just a few minutes. Kyle Russo, you are now on the hot seat. All right. So number one, Joe Burrow to the Bengals. I think that's a given. Redskins taking Chase Young, uh, having Jack Del Rio in there as a defensive guy, I think that really seals that up. Jeff Okuda trading Darius Slay, I think that's a lock at the cornerback position for the Lions. I hope Isaiah Simmons at number four to the Giants. At five, the Dolphins are taking Tua. At six, the Chargers are going to take Justin Herbert. Uh, the Panthers need to improve upon that defense. They're going to take Derek Brown, defensive tackle out of Auburn. The Cardinals are going to look to fortify that offensive line, giving up too many sacks last year for Kyler Murray. Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. The Jaguars, they basically lost everything from that 2017 defense. They're going to take Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina. And the Browns are going to look to protect Baker Mayfield with Makai Becton out of Louisville. Nice. Yeah. I really like your list. Um, I think 
yours is the most compatible to mine thus far. Um, why don't uh, you guys probably want to hear my list before we uh, converse on it? So yeah. I'll uh, get the step in. Yes, please. <laughs> all right. So number one, I have Joe Burrow from LSU. This is pretty much a given. Uh, he was great all year. Heisman Trophy winner. Fantastic arm. Love what he did for LSU, bringing them a national championship. Uh, and he'll be great in Cincinnati. Number two for the Redskins, I have Chase Young, an edge rusher, a guy who can really help benefit them and their defense, Ron Rivera being a defensive-minded head coach. However, I could potentially see them trading out of this spot to try to accumulate later picks in the draft. But I think if they were smart, uh, look, guys, they do have a history of messing up in the draft. We know how their GM and their front office is, but they're trying to build a new regime, and I think it starts with the edge attacker out of Ohio State and Chase Young. Number three, the Lions, I have Jeff Okuda. Another Buckeye lockdown corner. Number four, I have the Giants taking Isaiah Simmons. Um, realistically, I think Simmons is, in my opinion, the fourth best player in this draft. Uh, Giants typically, historically, they'll go for the most available player, and they need pass rushing help. This guy had, what, seven or eight sacks last year for Clemson? Giants need pass rushing help. They're not bringing back Marcus Golden. Kyler Fackrell's an unknown. Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zaminis are going to have to prove themselves in year three and two. So I really think they need to uh, resolve their biggest weakness on this team, and that is pass rushing, um, especially since Joe Judge has two offensive linemen at each tackle position that he's somewhat familiar with in Nate Solder and Cameron Fleming, both ex-Pats. Number five, I have Tua going to the Dolphins. However, Tua failed as physical, I think, for a couple of teams this week. One of those teams was in the top ten, so this potential number five spot draws a couple of red flags for me. Right now, I think Tua's going down to South Beach. Number six, I have Justin Herbert going to the Chargers. This move makes sense. Tyrod Taylor will be the place filler, place holder this year, that is. Justin Herbert will eventually take over. He's their guy. They love him. West Coast guy. It makes sense. Number seven, I have the Panthers taking Derek Brown. I really like this guy. Carolina, Matt Rule, they're trying to build something good here and a good young kid out of Auburn to help their defensive line, a team that struggled against the run last year, and they need to fill in the trenches, especially after the retirement of Luke Keithley. Number eight, I have Tristan Wirfs going to the Cardinals, offensive tackle out of Iowa. Number nine, I have Jedrick Willis, offensive tackle out of Bama going to Jacksonville. I originally had Javon Kinlaw going in this position, but we really don't know what's going to happen with Yannick Ngakwe. He's made it clear he wants out of Jacksonville, but the front office does not want to trade him. Khan blatantly said that, the GM for this team. So now it's a puzzle in my head to what Jacksonville is going to do. Number 10, I have Mekhi Becton out of Louisville going to the Browns. Yes, they did add Jack Conklin, but that line still needs help for Baker Mayfield. It was a big issue last year, why his production went down, why Odell's production went down. That's my top ten. A solid, a solid list? Def- no. I like it. The Dionic and Gokwe one is uh, interesting because we don't get because like you said, we you know, he wants to leave, but you know, management <laughs> wants to keep him around. So we'll see we'll see what happens. That's kind of probably one of the more the big names that were still left that, that could be on the move. So yeah. Overall a 
pretty solid list. We, we pretty much all agree on uh, Burrow, obviously, Young, and then Tua and Herbert. Uh, and those four spots really are pretty much all correct. And I think uh, we all got Okuda, too, at three, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah so, mm-hmm. pretty, so pretty much half of the top five we all pretty much agree on. You know, I mean, one through three, I think we could all pretty much agree that those are locked as the first three picks of this draft. Yeah. Yes. Number four is where it gets interesting. Let's debate this a little bit. Yeah, I could see three though being traded though too. I could see three being like an on the move also. Three being traded. You yeah. brought that up in a call. Um, I think it was last week um, or this week even maybe. You brought up in a call that this pick could possibly be dealt. Um, I just think Okuda made sense with the Darius Slade trade. Yeah. But. Oh no, it definitely does. But I think teams like Miami. And L.A. would, you know, want to trade up for the number three spot to get uh, their guy to or Herbert just to get that one uh, one edge. Even though it's only two spots, it could make a difference in trying to get your franchise guy. Right. I agree 100 percent. And look, I think um, Isaiah Simmons is in the driver's seat for this spot. However, um, Fonz has brought up not just on here, but on JDF as well, why he thinks uh, number four will be Tristan Wirfs. Um, out of Iowa. Yeah. Uh, you think that Worfs is the best offensive lineman in this draft, correct? I know he impressed me at the combine. Yeah. I, I, I think him and uh, Mekhi Beckton are a close one, too, but I would give the edge more to Worfs because he had more productivity at Iowa, whereas Beckton, where he was productive, it kind of showed up more at the combine where he kind of skyrocketed up the draft boards. Right. Um, now... Number four. I want to get to James's pick at number four. He had Derek Brown going to the Giants out of Auburn. Mm-hmm. James, explain yeah. this thought process here that you had. So, I, you know, by looking at it, he he's just disruptive. Uh, he's he's strong. He has quick hands, and he's explosive off the line. That's something we haven't had in quite some time. I mean, we're going to have to, in my mind, we're going to have to look all the way back to, geez, what, uh, the last year OCU Manura, Justin Tuck, and JPP and Strahan were on lined up in some Forgot you manner. Forgot those guys. Um, yeah, that, that was a nice line. Um, so by having him explosive off the line, we don't have anybody like that. We also don't have many guys with very quick hands. So by having the quick hands to battle the hands of an offensive lineman, you need that. Yep. And he's disruptive. I need, as you, you, Tom, Fonz, Russo, probably all our viewers watched last season was we didn't see enough getting in, in a quarterback's face and that hurt our secondary. So by getting somebody disruptive in there, that's what we need. We need somebody to get up in that face. We need somebody to bull rush. We need somebody to continue. Couldn't you make the argument Isaiah Simmons can fill this void too as a, 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 line, a linebacker that is technically more of a pass-rushing linebacker that can not just rush the passer but drop back into coverage as well? Yes, you can because he can be considered almost a hybrid. He can line up on the line and drop back, or he can line up at a linebacker position and go right forward. Now, I want to somewhat um, defend James's argument here for Derek Brown, and this is how I'm going to do it. I don't think the Giants take Derek Brown at number four. 
But Kyle Russo, you brought up a very interesting point, and I want to elaborate on this with you. Historically, teams do not invest in defensive tackles long term. Why? Because the money needs to go elsewhere. Defensive tackles are one of the most easily replaced positions on a National Football League team. You look at guys in the past who the Giants have had, William Joseph, Jonathan Hankins, Barry Cofield, um, Linval Joseph. Yeah. All these guys that moved on. Damon Snacks Harrison, another perfect example. Obviously, the Giants didn't draft him, but you, but you get the point. This is an expendable position, and historically, with the exception of Snacks, past defensive tackles have not been re-signed after their rookie contract. The only one of note that I know is Fred Robbins, who was picked back in 2003. Uh, now you're in a situation where Dalvin Tomlinson is in his contract year, Kyle. Could you possibly see this being a window for the Giants to take Derek Brown? I don't, but you get the point, right? I don't see the Giants looking at Derek Brown at all. I see it either Isaiah Simmons, offensive lineman, or uh, trading out of the position. Because I think that number four pick is potentially one of the most valuable picks in the entire draft. Because granted... The Redskins may trade that pick. The Lions have already stated that there's no way if the Redskins trade that pick, it's going to be a quarterback, whatever team trades for him. The Lions have stated that if Chase Young is there, they're taking Chase Young, which means that the Giants, then at the number four spot, are really that last opportunity for a team to jump up and take a quarterback before they're all gone. And that becomes extremely valuable. But news coming out today, guys, is that the Giants are very, very interested in a linebacker in Sean Bradley out of Temple. And what scares me out of this is he's a mid-round pick, but what scares me with this is is that that would be, let's say they draft Isaiah Simmons and they, let's say, draft Sean Bradley. That would be nine linebackers the Giants have on this team, which doesn't make sense, which scares me because showing the interest that they have in a mid-round pick in Sean Bradley means to me that they might not be as interested in Isaiah Simmons at that number four pick, and it might be going towards the offensive lineman position. And I think that's, I wouldn't bet on it, but at this number four spot, I'm looking at number one through 10. I think everything position-wise in which we have is similar to each other. I think that number four pick is the only thing where there's question when it comes to that pick position-wise. I could see Isaiah Simmons, but I could really see offensive linemen. And personally, nothing against Tristan Wirfs. I don't think an offensive lineman at that number four spot would be a smart investment. I just don't think it would be. I'm going to disagree with your first point a little bit. Um, I don't think Sean Bradley's going to the Giants. The only way he does is if they trade back and don't take Simmons at number four, right? Well, Sean Bradley, no, Sean Bradley would be a mid-round pick. I'm saying for them to have the type of interest that they're having in a mid-round pick as a linebacker, that would be without even drafting Isaiah Simmons, that would be the eighth linebacker on the roster, which means to me, if they could get a linebacker in a mid round, uh, they signed, uh, including the re-signing of David Mayo, three additional linebackers. We might be looking at this all wrong guys. They might be showing us that it's offensive linemen all the way, instead of drafting another linebacker, especially with that fourth overall pick. Kyle, uh, the, the giants now in a three, four, four linebackers do start. Yeah. Um, the only solidified backup linebacker that will definitely make this roster next year is David Mayo, because I think Connolly will slide in next to Martinez and those two will start. And then Mayo will be a backup. 
uh, unless you see some four three sets, it'll probably be Mayo, Connolly, and Martinez. I think Simmons is more of a pass rusher that you really, really, really need. The only thing that I was thinking was if they do go with Fonz's idea, if they take Wirfs at four, they trade back, they go after a guy like possibly a Sean Bradley from Temple or an Alex Highsmith from Charlotte, who the Giants happen to love. That's another option as well at number four for this team. Any final thoughts on the Giants for now? We'll get back to them in a little bit, but uh, we want to get through the rest of this top ten. Yeah, they, I mean, they could, like, I agree with Kyle, they could easily trade out of this because this pick, I mean, people would want to trade up for to get their quarterback, much like with the Redskins or maybe even the Lions too. So, I mean, the Giants could maybe just trade out and get, you know, the offensive line class is pretty good, you know, even with uh, Werfs, Mekhi uh, Beck, Beckton, and Andrew Thomas. So they could even go in the back half of the first round and get a tackle for them to or even in the second round. So it, it wouldn't put past me if the Giants end up trading out of it for a later round pick. Yeah, 100%. I don't disagree with that at all, Funds. Excellent point. Um, so let's get to number five. Tua Miami at number five. I believe we all have him going there, correct? Yes, um, correct. Now, currently their quarterback situation, they have Josh Rosen mm-hmm. and they have Ryan Fitzpatrick. Clearly, we know. We don't even have to waste our breath on this. Neither of those guys are your future at quarterback. Neither. No. They tried with Rosen. didn't work. Right. And Rosen is a guy that they know has maturity issues and – I think if anything's going to work out for him, it's going to be as a backup in the in the NFL later on in his career. Well, you'll see him be a serviceable backup. Right now, he is nowhere near uh, that hype that Arizona did when they drafted him back in 2018. Uh, however, to uh, fail the physical, uh-huh. guys, this is serious. This is not something you could just keep in the back of your mind. Do you think this will affect his draft stock, and could we see him drop and could we see Miami go after a potential guy? I know this would be very high, but possibly a Jordan Love at number five out of Utah. I don't think so. I think there's too much with uh, with Tua, too much potential with him. Um, it, it will yeah. hurt a little bit, but I still don't think he leaves out of the top six, if anything. If they could go Herbert, then like the Chargers will easily take uh, Tua and have Tyrod play for that bridge year. I don't think he. I don't think he leave. He's drops out of six, and if he does, that would be crazy. I don't even think it's for a guy like Jordan Love too. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, look, I'm just throwing options around. I'm yeah, not saying no. that this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think that Miami needs a franchise quarterback. Unfortunately, we've seen it in instances in the past where sometimes your first-round pick might not play for a year or two. You're picking for the future. You're not picking for this upcoming year. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, I have no problem if Miami has to start Ryan Fitzpatrick this, this year. Uh, I don't think it'll get him anywhere. <laughs> but... Again, placeholder, similar to Tyrod Taylor in L.A. Speaking of the Chargers, they picked six. We all had a clean sweep for Justin Herbert. Kid out of Oregon, yep. a guy who a lot of people thought might have came out in the previous year, um, but he chose to go back to school for his senior season. Uh, and there's mixed opinions on him, but they think the Chargers are a good fit. I really like him at this number six spot. I don't think uh, he's going to go anywhere else, to be honest with you. I pretty much think it's all but a done deal. I agree. I, I, I mean, if, uh, if the Dolphins go Herbert and then they'll go Tua, but I think they're going to get their quarterback of the future the post 
Philip Rivers era. Like I said, I like Tyrod a lot, but I don't think he's going to be the long-term guy there. They want to have a fresh face there, a face of the franchise. So I think Herbert will be a great fit over there in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, again, this is a four-year player, and his combine was pretty solid, guys. Um, he ran a pretty decent 40-yard dash, 4.68. His vert is pretty nice. Um, his three-cone drill impressed me, too. So, you know, this is something that uh, can't be overlooked. I think Justin Herbert is the second-best quarterback in this draft behind Joe Burrow. Uh, I'm sorry, third-best quarterback behind Joe Burrow and Tua. Right now, he might be the second-best since Tua is hurt. Um, but anyway, let's get to number seven. Bonds and James have Isaiah Simmons going seventh to Carolina. Yes. And I believe me and Kyle both have Derek Brown going to the Panthers at number seven. James and Fonz, I want you guys to explain why you think Isaiah Simmons fits in in Matt Rule's system in that Carolina Panthers defense. Well, I'll start off with that. I, I mean, they lost Luke Keekley. Uh, that's the heart and soul of that defense. And what better way to bring it back than a guy like Isaiah Simmons, who kind of plays a little bit similar, that can you know run across from sideline to sideline, rush the quarterback, and even go out in coverage too. A uh, fast linebacker that can also play safety too. I think that's something that you need for Carolina to bring back that spark on defense because it's a whole new franchise turnaround. I think that's a perfect spot for Simmons there. James? Fonz pretty much took the words out of my mouth. Um, he he's also a he's also a player that won't come off the field, right? So for him to do sideline to sideline for say a defense is out there say for five plus minutes for him not to even come off the field, that's amazing. Yeah, he he's a team player, and I think that will help build the Panthers kind of back up and make them kind of relevant back within their division again. That's a tough division. Now, I know Teddy Bridgewater is their quarterback, but you're looking at this division and you're looking at the four quarterbacks alone. You have Teddy Bridgewater, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Matt Ryan. So division. you have three vets. And, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, he's been around for a few years now, but he is the puck mm-hmm. of yeah. that division. He is the young buck in the NFC South, and this is a Panthers team that I don't think is going to be ready this year. But you can never count out a, a team – uh, that saw Teddy Bridgewater do what he did last year with the Saints when Breeze was hurt, and Christian McCaffrey being the best running back in all of football. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's an argument for a guy who's better than him right now. So I think the Panthers do have to fix their defense. Brown and Simmons are two great options. I think Derek Brown fits in from Auburn. I think Simmons would be a great fit well if mm-hmm. he drops through them. Yeah, it all depends on yeah, about the drops, so I definitely – Definitely agree with you because he could easily go even to four or maybe even uh, – yeah, actually pretty much four because I can't even think uh, – yeah, there's no way Miami or L.A. passes up on a quarterback at that point. And then you're looking at what Phil Snow really wants for his defense. This is a guy uh, who was just hired back in January. He's been around. He's a you know former college coach, and he loves his defensive line. Again, he's a former Temple guy. So you know that the Panthers are looking to go defense in this year's draft. Number eight, we have Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa for me uh, and Kyle. James has uh, Jedrick Wills. Yes. And 
Makai uh, Thons has Makai Becton. Yes. Now, this is pretty much pick your poison type of thing. I pretty much looked at what Mel Kuyper was saying via uh, the NFL Network, and it just makes most sense for this to be uh, Werf's landing spot, uh, being that um, um, geographically, um, look at Tristan Werf's, and this is the closest for him to home. Uh, Iowa to Arizona. A lot of people, I think there's several factors to consider when it comes to drafting, you know, your future players. And a lot of guys aren't just considering where they're going to get picked. They're considering where they're going to go. Right. And I also think that in my opinion, he is the, honestly, I I think he's the best offensive lineman in this draft, Tristan works. I think that's why he's going to go there at number eight. Kyle, do you have any insight on Tristan works and what, uh, why you think he's going to Arizona? I think, Tom, I think it's just a matter of pick your poison. I don't think that any offensive line will be taken until that eighth overall pick. Uh, Tristan Wirfs is, like you said before, is probably the best offensive lineman in this draft. you got guys like Andrew Thomas, Makai Becton, um, who else, Jedrick Wills out of Alabama. But I think that we could all agree that Tristan Wirfs, especially from his combine performance, it's probably the most freakish offensive lineman out there. And I think that that's going to be something that the Cardinals are definitely going to want to take advantage of and not want to, you know, potentially take another guy considering his athleticism that he proved at the combine. Yeah. I agree with that. Funds, you went with Makai Becton out of Louisville. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a situation where for me, the Giants took Warp. So the second best lineman for me is uh, Makai Becton. I mean, six seven three sixty four. The guy is, guy's an animal and i think that's the type of athletic lineman that you need especially in uh kingsbury's offense with kyler murray running around there in the shotgun and or the three four wide receiver set so i think that fits over there nicely i think you just need to protect a guy like murray who's going to be your franchise guy for 10 plus years fair uh james at number eight you had your first offensive lineman going as well you went jedrick willis out of alabama uh yes great great break this down for us here um, with Jedrick Willis going at number eight. So he can step in right away as the right tackle, which I think they need to improve on. With all their key pieces with Kyle, Kyle Murray, um, he needs somebody block or he needs somebody strong that can pack a punch blocking the right side for him. Um, they also just need a whole bunch more protection. protection. Um, so by bringing in this guy, I think it will just help blossom that offensive line. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I'm not exactly sure that the Cardinals are interested um, in any of our guys, to be honest with you. I mean, I know there's been expressed interest in Tristan Wirfs, and I know there's been rumors about Mekhi Becton. I haven't looked much into Jedrick Willis going in at number eight. Yeah. But, I mean, if, if you play for Alabama, you're going to be up there. You know, yeah. you're going to be up there in that top ten. So. Um, especially an offensive tackle of his caliber, guys. Yeah, originally I had him taking a receiver. And then, you know, of course, that DeAndre Hopkins trade, that kind of, uh, I kind of scratched that out. But, like, all right, they don't really, I don't know if they really want to trade up for or get a guy like C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy where they are, kind of already have Fitzgerald and Hopkins and Christian Kirk. And I think then at that point, you can get probably one of the better offensive linemen to help out with Kyler Murray. Right. Um, so, number nine. Ooh. I had Jedrick Willis go into Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think they need offensive line help. And I understand 
uh, the argument for Jacksonville to get a defensive guy. But I think at this point in time, you need to go with the best player available. And I think there it's Jedrick Willis out of Alabama. Kyle, you have Javon Kinlaw going to Jacksonville, which was the guy I originally had in my first original mock. Now I've switched it to Jedrick Willis. How do you think Javon Kinlaw could fit in this system for Jacksonville? I think it's just really, you know, a, a restart for this Jacksonville team outside of guys like Miles Jack and obviously Josh Allen, who they drafted last year. Those are the key pieces to that defense. They really need a guy that's going to be starting on that line for them. Again, Tom, you said it earlier. Yannick Ngakwe is going to be a question. Another guy that I could see potentially the uh, Jaguars drafting, now that I think about it a little more, C.J. Henderson out of mm-hmm. Florida. He's a Florida guy. He went to school at Florida. He is a cornerback, as we know, last season. Just in last season, they lost their two starting cornerbacks. They traded Jalen Ramsey, and now they just traded A.J. Bouye in the offseason. So they're going to need that starting cornerback position because right now they don't have one. I think, Tom, when we look at the defensive position, I think it's I think it's definitely going to be defense. I think the offensive line is pretty solid for Jacksonville. You really haven't seen Leonard Fournette as a running back really struggle. Maybe a little bit better protection-wise for Gardner Menchu stepping in into his second year. But I think that it's it's key that basically having nobody left from just three years ago on that team that went all the way to the AFC Championship and granted any other quarterback starting for the Jaguars besides Blake Bortles would have gotten the job done and would have been in the Super Bowl that year beating the New England Patriots in Foxborough. I think that they just need to replace uh, a lot of parts on defense, and I think they start with one of the best defensive players on the board left in uh, Javon Kinlon out of uh, South Carolina. Javon Kinlon is a great player, guys. Fonz, uh, at number nine, you have Derek Brown. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that at that point he's probably one of the better defensive tackles there. I mean, like Russo said, that defense is – they need to go defense here. They kind of let go of everybody here. They still have uh, Josh Allen and uh, Miles Jack and, to some extent, Yannick Ngakwe for now. But Andrew, uh, not Andrew, uh, Derek Brown, excuse me, 6'4", 326. He will boost up that defensive line and uh, clog up the middle lane for opposing running backs. I think this is a good fit for him. It's a good way to start rebuilding that Jacksonville defense. And, you know, down the line, I know Jacksonville has another pick later on. This wouldn't be the last time in my mock draft that they're taking another defensive player. Yeah, I, I think this is a good uh, position as well for Derek Brown. If he falls, if you're Jacksonville, you got to take this guy. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, and then, let's see, James, you have Kinlaw as well. So um, I think it's going to be very interesting to what Jacksonville does at number nine. This can be two or three different guys here. This is one of the unknowns at all. It's very hard to pick past the fifth or sixth pick because you don't know who's going to do what. If somebody goes out of line, that changes the whole scheme of things where all the picks could be messed up. Um, and then finally, we'll go over our 10th pick. I have Mekhi Becton going to the Browns out of Louisville. Kyle Russo, you have the same guy. James, you also have Mekhi Becton going number 10. Uh why do we think Mackay Becton at number 10 out of Louisville? Kyle, I'll let you uh, dissect this one. Just a big offensive lineman for them. I mean, they really they kind of fell apart last season offensive line-wise. They, um, when they made the trade for Odell, they got rid of one of the best offensive linemen in all of football, Kevin uh, Zeitler. Um, 
Red, uh, they filled in Greg Robinson, I believe, at the left tackle position after Joe Thomas retired. That really didn't pan out. And then after uh, personal circumstances with Greg Robinson, he's not going to be back this season. I think they need a big offensive tackle that's going to be able to protect Baker Mayfield for a long time. And I think he's probably the second best offensive lineman left on this draft if Tristan Wirfs is drafted prior uh, to the uh, the number 10 overall pick in which the Browns have. So I think they take Mekhi Becton. And I think it's also Mekhi Becton because he, again, this is an experienced guy out of Louisville, big dude that uh, could really benefit Cleveland, and he could learn from veterans on an offensive line, uh, especially a guy like Jack Conklin, uh, who they just signed in the offseason. I know he's still very young, 25 years old, but he's been playing for a couple of years now, and he's been very successful. He's one of the better tackles in the National Football League. Saying this is a great landing spot for an offensive tackle and a team that desperately needs offensive line help. Fonz, you went Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, and I'm going to be honest with you, before the season started, I thought the Giants might have taken Andrew Thomas. Yeah, I think when we I think before even the season uh, started, a lot of people had Andrew Thomas being like at the number two or the number three, like up there, probably one of the best tackles. He's still, I mean, still in the top ten for me. I think at this point, he plays in a situation where back to net worse are gone. Cleveland, Cleveland Browns, that's the one thing they have. Kind of everything else pretty much settled outside of a few things here and there. I think offensive line is just a big need for them, and uh, losing guys, losing, losing Joe Thomas. Uh, Kevin Zeitler, get a guy like Andrew Thomas, plug him in right away, could be a day one starter, and I think Baker Mayfield will be more than happy to have him protecting his blind side. I completely agree. Um, I think Andrew Thomas is a great pick here as well. It really just all depends on who goes. Obviously, Fonz has Werfs and Becton going before Andrew Thomas. You're not as high on Jedrick Willis. You don't have him in your top ten. Um, I, I have him. I mean, I have him right after. So that's okay. I'm just, just just saying. Too. I'm, I'm still high. I mean, the offensive line class is very good. The top half is excellent. Yeah, I agree. So before we get to number 11, we do want to remind you all um, that you can listen to this podcast, our audio version, which will be uploaded to the anchor at anchor.fm slash review and preview. Please subscribe to our podcast. I'm your host tonight, Tom. So you join alongside James Montefusco, Kyle Russo, Fonz DeFalco. Uh, we're going eight to ten here. Our first ever OBS live stream. Feel free to comment. We appreciate all you guys watching. We already got a we comment. <laughs> we already viewers at Walt with his comment on your jersey funds with the dislike button. Yeah, you know I'm not a big <laughs> fan of that jersey either. That's uh, fine. Shout out to you, Walt, uh, co-host with me on Transfer Portal Podcast with JDF Sports. Great guy. Uh, just uh, we always argue back and forth with the Ravens. I know he doesn't like this here. I wanted to look at this, Alec. Look at this jersey. Go ahead. <laughs> Take it in, buddy. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, he is a Patriots fan, and, you know, I, I do think that you guys do a good job on JDF as well. Also, Fonz, you launched a YouTube video today um, displaying, showcasing your favorite sports jerseys, or pretty much your whole collection. Yeah. Uh, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so when I started back, back when I started my channel, it was one of those things in the back of my mind where, like, I wrote it down, like, I definitely want to show off my collection. Uh, the guys here know, the guys JDF know, every time I have a show, whatever, I have a different jersey every week or whatever. So I was like, you know what, I'll finally upload it, I'll finally work on it. It's a two-part, that's how long the video was. So part one came out today, you're going to see my uh, couple MLB jerseys. Um, I do have one Yankee jersey on there, spoiler alert, even though I'm a Mets fan. Sorry about that, my fellow Mets fans. I have a couple, uh, I have showed my signed jerseys and the NBA edition. 
So next week you're going to see um, when it comes out part two, it's going to be my NFL uh, and one hockey jersey, and I think there's some soccer jerseys in there too. So yeah, definitely check it out. Fonz DeFalco on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. And uh, follow us here too on Review and Preview. Support everything. All the content's coming out even though with this coronavirus we're still bringing out content for all of you. Yeah, this is our first time doing this. So this is a little bit of a learning curve out on Review and Preview LIU. And guys, uh, let's talk about some of the potential uh, free agent quarterbacks that are out there. Obviously, this will impact the draft position. Uh, guys like Jameis Winston and Cam Newton that still don't have homes. Uh, Cam Newton, obviously released by the Panthers, longtime player. Jameis Winston uh, not returning to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Do you see his comment? Uh, very honored that it took a guy like Tom Brady, the best quarterback of all time, to replace him. What do you guys make of that comment? I'm not, I'm not that big of a fan. I thought that comment was more of like you know like a sarcastic yeah, like yeah like a sarcastic comment like oh good i got replaced by one of the best the best like good for me like he it didn't seem like he had very much interest in being with the team yeah so for him to say that but then now he's posting all his workout videos on what he's doing i don't understand but i don't think he wants to be part of this team yeah, it's 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 very it's very difficult to think about. Bruce Arians cl- clearly did not want him back. A guy who throws thirty interceptions in a season, uh, look, I don't think is worthy of a starting quarterback position in the NFL, especially when a majority of those yards and touchdowns are coming because you have two star wide receivers and you're trailing majority of the time. When you're trailing, you need to pass the football, so your stats will look inflated. You're basically looking into the metrics of an NFL player and trying to break down why they're putting up this many numbers, why they're putting up this many yards, this many touchdowns. It's not because necessarily they're a good NFL player. It could be a product of the system. It could be multiple things. It could just be their team isn't good. Uh, hence why Tampa Bay Bucks went 7-9 and nine this year. Uh, so you have to look at if it was during the garbage time, they call it, within the last five to three minutes of the game. Yeah, I agree with that. I believe Jameis Winston started his Bucks career and ended his Bucks career with a pick six. Yeah, first, 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 <laughs> first time I think yeah. someone's ever done that for a team they got drafted by. That is a that that is a that is a stat. That, that is a uh, fun fact by Tom. Already up one no on our fun fact Friday. I forgot about that. Uh, speaking of fun fact Friday, as you guys can see on our topic graphic, we do expect a call around nine ten. PM Eastern time from Dominic Daniele, a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. He'll be sharing us his mock draft. Uh, very much looking forward to having him on the show. A good friend of mine from Stanford, Connecticut. So um, do we think Winston or Newton finds a new home? I think Newton is content with waiting till after the draft. I think he will. Um, Jameis, uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, I think the same situation for him. He's not getting signed anywhere before draft day. I personally thought, honestly, Tom, I thought Jameis was going to go to the XFL. Um, but with the news that came out today, there's not going to be an a- a- XFL. I'm so upset um, by that. I'm so upset so, by that. It was so close to having it. It was so fun. Oh, man. So, so by, by, by saying that, I think teams will wait until after the draft and reevaluate um, what what they picked up and then maybe go after those two guys. 
Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, Russo, do you have a potential landing spot for Cam Newton? I think that the only landing spot available for Cam Newton at this time would probably be the Chargers, but I think it's almost guaranteed that the Chargers are taking a quarterback at that six pick. So I would have to say to both the, to everyone, I don't think Cam Newton or James Winston are either going to be on an NFL roster because I don't think that any of them, any of their egos or any of what they've accomplished in these leagues, granted Cam Newton has had more success. I don't think either of them are going to want to sit on the bench. And I think that's, and I think that's going to be the death of their career. I, I don't think that they're going to want to be a bench quarterback, at least for this year. And I think they hold out on this year. Injuries do happen guys. Mm-hmm. They do just a heads up. They do. My, my thought for, at least for Jameis was I could definitely see like a team like Pittsburgh grabbing, grabbing him and signing him and bringing him as a backup to big Ben. Or maybe when big Ben goes down, Jameis could be a, a solid somewhat replacement for him more Jameis than I can. I can't see cam signing with it and taking the backup role. Uh, like I, I agree with you, Kyle, on that one, but I can see more Jameis accepting a backup role at this point and try to competing for that starting spot. Uh, yeah. I, th- I thought for a while Cam was going to go to Chicago, but since they traded for Nick Foles, I feel like that's out of the window. They're not going to have a quarterback by Trubisky, Foles, and Cam Newton. I feel like that would just be a little bit too much for them right now. But I, I can see Pittsburgh being a landing spot for Winston. Cam, I could definitely see them waiting out. Him waiting out, excuse me. The only other potential landing spot I see is the Washington Redskins, and here's why. Ron Rivera is there. Kyle Allen is there. And it's been rumored that if the season, the uh, training camp doesn't start on time, that Kyle Allen will be the starter week one and not Dwayne Haskins. That's the current motto. So it all happens to deal with familiarity, and there's a chance they could go after Cam Newton. Not saying they will, but we know they're not drafting a quarterback. Their eggs are right now. They're invested in either Dwayne Haskins or Kyle Allen, whoever it is. Mm -hmm. So will this derail the development of Dwayne Haskins, though? That's a concern as well that you don't want to have Obviously, but with a new head coach intact, you just don't know. Everything is out the window once yeah. you get a new coaching staff in. That's how it goes. Yeah. One other team, guys, that I just thought of, not for Cam Newton, but for Jameis Winston, the Saints. The Saints. Drew Brees, there's reports as of today about what he's going to do after he retires. Drew Brees, he just signed another two-year contract, but is he going to be able to play for those next two years? We saw... Uh, he got injured last year. He kind of slumped off when he uh, came back healthy. Even he wasn't playing at that Drew Brees type of caliber level that we all know and love. He was throwing more interceptions. He was fumbling the ball more. He was making dumb Aaron passes. Maybe a Jameis Winston behind a Drew Brees could turn around his career. In a, in a Russo, amazing coaching system under Sean Payton, and f- sliding right in there with all the offensive help that you could possibly need. Russo, I do like that comment. Um, only because of Drew Brees did sign with a major TV company, uh, TV and uh, NFL TV guy today. If I could speak English correctly, <laughs> uh, NBC Sports. Yes, thank you. My, my company, actually. <laughs> well, you guys are coworkers now, or potentially. <laughs> Apparently, if whenever whenever he decides to retire. But real quick, I want to get to this comment. Uh, our old co-host, longtime uh, member of Region Preview, Tommy the Mac McNamara, just texted me saying, the Panthers screwed Newton by releasing him late. Theirs would have been a good fit. I happen to agree. I do. I think they should have released it earlier if they were going to do it. 
even before they were looking to get Teddy Bridgewater because it was kind of clear that he was on the outs there. I definitely agree with that comment. And Tommy Mack, if you're still watching, it looks like you are. Uh, my only comment is, were the Panthers clouded by their head coaching hiring process? That's my only thing. And then did they want Matt Rule to evaluate the quarterback situation? Yeah. yeah. That being part of it as well. I do agree with you, though, Tom. Newton definitely got the short end of the stick there. Um, okay. Let's talk about another transaction that happened this week, the uh, Los Angeles Rams trade star receiver Brandon Cooks to the Houston Texans. This happened yesterday in exchange for a 2020 second round pick and a 2022 fourth round. Um, thoughts? Why a 2022? One out of 2021. I, I don't. I don't like it because the Texans are just doing. They're just hitting desperate mode and trying to win that division, but like with not even putting any thought into anything. You trade Hopkins, the best receiver, one of the best receivers, for a broken down running back who doesn't fit the system there. Uh, and then you trade away uh, a couple other picks for a guy like Brandon Cooks, who really he's solid, but he's never been the number one guy. He's just a burner on the side of this, that kind of struggled last year. Uh, I just I don't know what the Texans are doing. I like Brandon Cooks, but I just feel like with that much money and cap space and whatever, I just think that's a bad move on the Texans' part. Second bad move they made this offseason. Isn't it? The, that's that's the key point right there, Fonz, right at the end of it. They, they look like buffoons. They're willing to pay Brandon Cooks, an older receiver who has had multiple concussions just over the course of the last couple of years, and say that they don't want to pay DeAndre Hopkins, who – I don't even think he's an argument anymore. I think he's the number one receiver in all of football. They don't want to pay that guy, but they're willing to take on Brandon Cooks' contract. An older, concussion-prone guy now in the league. Smaller guy, not as good either. Yeah. He's a good they number two. Number guy. Yeah, number two. I wouldn't say he's the number one guy, but that's what we're going to pay him like now. They want to pay that guy and trade a second-round pick, I believe, for that guy, but they don't want to – they don't want to – they don't want to pay DeAndre Hopkins. It's, it doesn't make any sense. Well, let, let me let me interject for a second. I think that the trade with DeAndre Hopkins was ridiculous. There must be something that we did not know about because you don't just trade the arguably the best wide receiver in football overnight mm-hmm. and then all the fans are scratching their heads about it the next day. I think Deshaun Watson played a role in this decision to go out and get Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is only 26 years old. He's been traded three years in a row now. The Texans already lost a first-round pick. They don't have a first-round pick this year. They also don't have a first-round pick next year. Yeah. Uh, in fact, their second-round pick this year was only acquired because of the David Johnson trade. They don't have their own original pick until the third round this year. You look at their draft picks next year. Currently, they don't have a first-round pick or a second-round pick. They're desperate, and they're playing for now. They're not playing for the future. This is bad management by the Houston Texans organization. I understand they're the youngest organization in the National Football League. They've only been a team since 2002. Um, this, this just really – I don't necessarily think Houston lost this particular trade, though, and here's why. Hear me out. The Rams incur almost $22 million in dead money. By trading away Brandon Cooks, right? They signed him for a five-year. It was either eighty or eighty-one million. A lot of money. A lot of money. Deal. 
right when they traded for him, they extended him. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me because now the Rams don't have Cooks. They don't have Todd Gurley. Uh, I mean, they have Goff. They must be invested in Cup and Woods long term. They like the development of Higby and Josh Reynolds. That's great. But um, They needed that offensive line. They paid all their skill guys, but they never paid their offensive line. An example, they let Roger Saffold go to the Titans, and look what happened there. Todd Gurley was not the same. Uh Trying to think they and then they just relied on too many veterans on the defensive side. Eric Weddle, Clay Matthews didn't really pan out for them. Nadamik and Sue left after a year. They they paid all the skill guy. They paid Goff too soon. I think they should have waited it out. Uh, paying Rob Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks was fine, but then paying Togger, they paid him way too early in his career. I think they paid yeah. all the skill guys way too much right away, and they should have invested in the offensive line. Uh, obviously, the only one I think the only paying person they pay that makes sense is Aaron Donald because look what that guy is is a stud and he's probably one of the better defenders in the NFL so that makes sense but everything else I just I don't know what the Rams were doing they just want to do a win now mode for one year they made the Super Bowl but they only scored three points and then that window just just shot that quickly for them and they got to pay Jalen Ramsey too remember that I hate I hate to break this to you guys but I mean yeah the Rams have a lot of talent on their team I don't think they'll finish last, but with the strength of their division, guys, there's a chance. I'm not saying it's they'll, a very big they'll, one. They will finish. They will finish last. They will finish last. I think it's so. Just, yeah. it's, I don't think we want to talk third. about. We talk about players of a system. I think Jared Goff is the epitome of that. I, I, I truly believe that Jared Goff is a product of Sean McVay, and I don't think that he'd be successful in any other offense. And I think taking away the running back position, even though Todd Gurley had snaps taken away from him. Todd Gurley is what really saved Jared Goff in that season that they went to the Super Bowl. Jared Goff mm-hmm. was not the spectacular quarterback. Todd Gurley was the guy that was getting, I think that was a 20-touchdown total season that Todd mm-hmm. Gurley had when they went to the Super Bowl. And now that you don't have that, it's going to be a lot of pressure on Jared Goff. A lot of pressure. And I completely understand that. Both L.A. teams are kind of in a hunch right now. It's not just the Rams. You have to look at the Chargers as well. Uh, realistically, a franchise that does not have many fans um, today, they actually just signed a former XFL player. You guys remember Storm Norton? He used to play for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he scored a touchdown against the Seahawks in a game a couple years ago. I remember the name. Yeah, so he was drafted by the Los Angeles Wildcats of the XFL. He was the first offensive lineman taking, taken in the XFL offensive lineman draft. This guy's a big guy. He's 6'8". North of 300 pounds. This is an addition that the this is a really good addition by the Chargers. You know, it's very unfortunate the XFL folded, but it's great to see these guys, some of them at least, getting new homes in the NFL because that is the goal of this league to get these guys back up to that next level, especially guys that are overlooked. And you look at Storm Norton, and this is a signing that the Chargers really had to make because the Chargers right now are just in la la land. They have an issue with quarterback that they're trying to address. They just lost Melvin Gordon. Uh, okay, Austin Eckler had a good season. Um, it, it's just I'm I'm not the Chargers right now are one of the worst teams in the AFC. They have the potential to be good. They have a good coach, but they're just a mess. They're just a mess, and they keep making moves. They keep making moves out of desperation, and this is just another one. Don't they get a new stadium too this year? Something like that. The yeah. Ra- the, ra- yeah. the Rams and they got new uniforms and a new logo, and that's a. That's a whole other story too. That uh, and the Chargers too. They all the, the whole LA teams are just in a really weird spot right now.
So now that we've exhausted these transactions that have been going on, let's um, we'll continue going down the line for the next five minutes. Uh, the number 11 overall pick, uh, we'll just shout out who we have. Of course, the New York Jets are picking number 11. We're not considering trades. We're running down this an honest pick of who we think will go for each team if they stay intact at their draft position. I have the Jets taking the best wide receiver in this draft, in my opinion, CeeDee Lamb out of Oklahoma. They desperately need wide receiver help. They just lost Robbie Anderson to the Carolina Panthers. Quincy Inunua coming off another injury. This is who I have going to the Jets. I have him actually. I have him taking Jedrick Willis, the tackle there. I think the receiver class is too deep that you can get another receiver down the line in the second round. Uh, I know the Jets made a lot of moves getting some offensive line, but they're not that star, you know, star lineman that to protect Sam Darnold, even if he's a future or not. But I think Jedrick Willis is too good to pass up on. You can wait for another receiver down the line. There, James and Kyle. Who do you guys have? Uh, Tom, I have the same guy you have. So, City. CD Lamb, Kyle, yep. what are you at number 11? Same yeah, CD Lamb as well. I think that, yes, they addressed the offensive line. I think they signed five new offensive linemen. Um, and I get it, the need for the offensive line. It still might not be enough, but if the season was to start today, Rashad Perryman would be Sam Donald's number one receiver, and that just cannot happen. Oh, that, that hurts. That hurts. I think the Jets need to fix their skill players. They, they need to get new skill players in this draft, Fonz, and I mm-hmm. understand your uh, argument on Willis. My only thing is you don't just sign five, five offensive linemen um, in free agency to get a sixth in the draft when your entire team stinks, to be honest with you, except a couple of positions on the defense. Um, they have no offense right now, and they need – the problem is the, the Jets have been a bad football team the last couple of years. They need to help Darnold because we'll just never know this guy's potential. If they can't give him receivers that can catch the football and stay on the field, and I, I just think this is the guy they need to take. Um, if they could potentially trade back for a wide receiver, I funds. I do like your argument how the receiving class is loaded. It's though, a really good lot. receiving class. It's a really a good one. Yeah, a lot of good players. Number twelve, the Oakland Raiders. Now the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. I have them taking Jerry Judy, wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Out of Alabama. This is a team. They still have Tyrell Williams coming into his second year with a team, a young guy. Uh, they signed Nelson, no hands, Aguilar in free agency. <laughs> but they no longer have Amari Cooper, who's been in Dallas now uh, for about a year. So, um, what do you, who do you guys have at number 12 going to Vegas? I actually Tom, have. Oh, go ahead, JJ. I'm Tom, sorry. No, you can find uh, Tom, I have the same guy as you. Um, I also have Jerry Judy. I have, that's my first receiver taken in this draft. Uh, the most pro-ready receiver uh, can start day one for them. Yeah, Jerry Judy as well. They need a receiver. I, I think we've talked about this before. I think the Raiders are really just a receiver away from really competing. And Jerry Judy was really good for Alabama this year. I mean, you look at the way. I mean, his, his hands are big. I mean, he's just a good all-around receiver. He can get you the 50-50 jump ball. He's quick off the line of scrimmage. All around complete receiver that Vegas could really use with whoever their quarterback may be, Carr or Mariota. Uh, number 13, the 49ers have this pick that was acquired in the DeForest Buckner trade with the Indianapolis Colts. I have the 49ers taking Henry Ruggs III, also out of Alabama, who Tommy Mack thinks the Jets should take. 
Who do you guys have at number 13? I have a CD Lamb going to the Niners at that point. I think they're, they are – I think that's the one thing they need. They let Manuel Sanders go. They do have a solid young receiving core, but they can add somebody else like a CD Lamb. That would be perfect for them. So, yeah, CD Lamb is my guy for them at 13. James. Uh, I got the same guy you have, Tom. Russo, who do you have? I got Henry Ruggs. The 49ers really didn't lose anything this offseason besides Buckner and Emmanuel Sanders, and I think they need to replace that wide receiver in Henry Ruggs. I agree. They have Debo Samuel, who could potentially be their number one receiver of the future, but a great point. I mean, you lost Emmanuel Sanders. You have Kittle. You have a good trio of backs. Uh, the catalyst is probably going to be Raheem Mostert in the, in the future. I mean, it's still left to be seen, but – Jimmy Garoppolo needs another weapon on that offense. You saw it. They didn't have as many weapons as the Chiefs did on offense in that uh, big game back in February. So they got to stack up. Number 14, the Bucks. I have them taking Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. There's reported mutual interest here. I think this is a good landing spot for Andrew Thomas geographically because Georgia is just a state away. Uh, guys, when I do my mock drafts, I also put geographics into consideration <laughs> Uh, based off familiarity uh and I, I think the the phone call went really well between them and the bucks and this is a guy that could protect tom brady not bad i actually have him uh i actually the buccaneers major need i know it's offensive line but on defense they've always needed a corner i feel like that's the problem you're going to go up against michael thomas uh, julio jones uh, you can even say dj Moore too and curtis samuel in carolina now emmanuel sanders in new orleans too and Calvin Ridley, that's a lot. So, yeah, C.J. Henderson from Florida, I think that would be a good spot, a landing spot. It's the second-best corner, in my opinion, after Jeffrey Okuda. I like it. I like it. So, Andrew Thomas, James, and uh, Kyle, who do you have going to Tampa Bay at number 14? I have Andrew Thomas as well. I think him and Tom Brady will gel quite nicely. <laughs> yeah, I have Andrew Thomas, too. Uh, you need to protect the 42-year-old, 43-year-old quarterback. Thank you for bringing up his age. <laughs> he, can't hits. he can't be taking hits. Hey, he needs guys, I, I'm just going to say this right now. Tom Brady's on what? A two-year deal? Yeah. Tampa Bay's going to have to look for a quarterback again soon because Tom Brady won't play forever. Yeah. Uh, again, who knows what will happen. Number 15, the Denver Broncos. A team that potentially has their next franchise quarterback in Drew, Blo- uh, Drew Locke. They went out, they got Melvin Gordon in free agency to be in a backfield. Fonz loves this backfield combination with him. It's a good factual combination. They have Cortland Sutton, Jeff Hireman uh, at tight end. I have, this is where I have Javon Kinlaw going out of South Carolina to Denver. I had him either going here at 15 or all the way up at number nine to Jacksonville. Uh, If they don't take him, I think he drops to number 15 due to the need of receivers and linemen for those teams sandwiched from 10 to 14. I have him uh, taking Henry Ruggs third to compliment with Cortland Sutton. That'd be a good speed receiver. And I think that would, with that offense, that could be a scary offense coming into 2020. Nice. I could see it because Denver needs receiver help. Mm-hmm. I also think that Ruggs is a guy that a lot of teams are going to fear, especially mm-hmm in that AFC West division. Uh, Russo and James, number 15. I have the Broncos taking C.J. Henderson, cornerback out of Florida. I think that Vic Vangio is running this team. He's one of the uh, 
one of the few defensive-minded coaches in this league. As we know, the success he had with the Chicago Bears as their defensive coordinator a couple years back. I think he's going to go strictly defense. We saw that they traded for cornerback A.J. Bouye. Uh, they lost Chris Harris Jr. in the offseason to the L.A. Chargers. I think that they're going to look to put together a nice little tandem of A.J. Bouye and C.J. Henderson and really solidify that defense. I can see it. And Yeah, go ahead, Dan. I am going to go with the linebacker from Oklahoma, Kenneth Murray. Oh, interesting. Okay, interesting. They could very well go linebacker too. That's a that's a need for them too in the middle. Yeah. So definitely, the Broncos, in my opinion, could go many different ways that either will surprise a lot of people or will be like, all right, that makes sense. Yeah. I I could see it. I don't know if Murray. I don't know if he's the 15th best player, but I could definitely see this being done based off of uh, position need mm-hmm. for uh, the, the Broncos, for sure. All right. Number 16, we have the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I have them taking outside linebacker out of LSU, Clavon Chasson. Uh, I think they lost Vic Beasley to the Tennessee Titans. They need help on that defense. Dan Quinn, obviously, on the hot seat. They have weapons on offense, despite losing Austin Hooper and Devontae Freeman. But I think they really need to focus on rebuilding that defense. And it starts with a linebacker rusher like him. I have the same pick as you, Tom. Oh, finally, we agree on something. Yeah, look at that. We're good. (laughs) That's a a huge need for them, especially leaving Vic Beasley. They could go corner here, but I think uh, he's too talented. Chasson's too talented here to pass up on at 16. You guys want to make it three for three? Because that's who I'm going with, too. <laughs> we go four we for four. We four. might have our first clean sweep in the teens here. Let's four. see. Four. four for four. Yeah. Four for four. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that defense is horrible. That's the reason why they lost the Super Bowl. It can't hold points off the board. <laughs> oh, they need yeah. an edge rusher that's going to make an impact. Sounds good, Kyle Russo. We are halfway through. Round one, the Dallas Cowboys pick number 17. Um, you know what, Russo? I'll let you start this one. Who do you have the Dallas Cowboys picking at number 17? I was looking at cornerback uh, C.J. Henderson, but I had him going to the Broncos two picks earlier. So the best defensive guy left on the board uh, for me at this point in the draft would be Xavier McKinney, safety out of Alabama. They lost Jeff Teeth at the safety position uh, this offseason. I think that the defense, as we saw last season, fell apart on numerous occasions. Uh, outside of Demarcus Lawrence, I really don't think that you could really uh, guarantee health. They lost Robert Quinn. Um, they lost Byron Jones to the Miami Dolphins, a uh, cornerback position. Uh, they really need somebody to cover that secondary, and I think that they pick Xavier McKinney at the safety position out of Alabama. That's not bad. I actually have uh, Trayvon Diggs, uh, corner from Alabama. Uh, Bruce, we're kind of agreeing on that they need secondary help. Uh, they lost Byron Jones. That was the they lost him to Miami, and I think they replaced him nicely here with a guy like Trayvon Diggs. Uh, guys, don't mean to interrupt, but we actually do have a caller. We'll get back to the rest of our picks for the Cowboys in just a moment. Caller, please state your name and where you are from. Hey guys, it's Dom Danielli from Stanford, Connecticut. Dom, how's it going? What's up, Dom? Um, what is- your, uh, what is your question for us here tonight? We know you've been doing some mock drafts for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, well, uh, before I get 
going with my draft. Uh, my question to you guys right now is, what did you think of the Brandon Cooks trade this morning? Yeah, Kyle Russo, you can take that one. You've been <laughs> analyzing all night. Uh, what do I think? I think, again, Brandon Cooks is not a bad player. He's a good player with the Saints, with the Patriots, with the Rams, and now with the Texans. He's going to be a good player. I think it just makes the Texans look dumb. They, they gave up a second-round pick. They're paying a guy that has concussions problems, and they chose not to pay one of the best receivers in all of football and made that their main excuse. And I think that makes them look stupid. Again, not that Brandon Cooks is not a good player, because he is. And he's probably going to be Deshaun Watson's number one target going into the season. But I think it just makes them look done giving up on a receiver in DeAndre Hopkins and losing a second-round pick to trade for Brandon Cooks. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There was just a good player. I just think the Texans, just did, they're desperate to try and do whatever they can now after that trade with Hopkins. Yeah, Dom, I'm just thinking uh, the only downside for the Rams, obviously, is that they incur about $22 million in dead cap money, and they just signed them to that large contract uh, after that trade with New England. But, I mean, to really think about it, I think Houston lost this trade again. This is, I mean, yeah, it's nice that they got a receiver, but this is clearly an effort to keep Deshaun Watson content heading into uh, the 2020 season. Of course. Yeah. I don't know. O'Brien is doing, but he's obviously just a terrible GM so far. Yes, yeah. he is. He's doing too much, for sure. Uh, so, Dom, um, I know you did a mock draft for the, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, they don't have a first-round pick, uh, which is why I wanted to talk to you. What do you think the Pittsburgh Steelers do in this draft? I know rounds two through four were the rounds you really wanted to analyze on with me. And uh, who do you see the Pittsburgh Steelers taking? in those rounds specifically okay well first off they traded that first round pick for minka fitzpatrick and at the time honestly i was more just excited with the fact that they've actually did something out of their range they usually never do something like that and if ben was never hurt i don't think this trade ever happens because i think miami assumed that we were going to go three and 13 four and 12 anything like that but Obviously, our quarterback play and defense held up. But our first-round pick being Minka is honestly fantastic. This is a great, great safety, great defensive player. He really changed everything about this defense. But if we're talking about round two, I definitely, I think all signs are pointing towards them drafting a running back. I think it's going to be either J.K. Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor. But if Dobbins is still on the board, which I think he will be unless Kansas City goes after him, I think Dobbins would be a great fit. And although we have guys like James Conner and Jalen Samuels, you know, Conner is, as of what everyone saw last year, very injury prone. I like him a lot, but if you can't stay on the field, I think it makes more sense to go with a running back committee, kind of like what the 49ers did last year with all their guys and what the Seahawks have been doing. I think that just makes more sense. And obviously with Todd Gurley and all the other running backs, it just goes to show you can't rely on one guy. You don't want to pay a running back. It just doesn't make sense, especially now. So, but I think a running back would make a ton of sense for him in round two. I happen to somewhat agree with that, Dom. I mean, Dobbins is a guy who had over 2,000 rushing yards last year and 21 rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, he's only 5'9", 209, but, I mean, he can carry a heavy load. I think he can make guys miss, and he's an excellent one-cut back. Him and Ben really- that would be a nice combo. That would be a really good combo to see. And fun. 
I I'm, love Benny Snell. I'm pretty sure he was a rare true freshman starter for the Buckeyes. You don't see many of those. Exactly. Um, I'm not sure if they go running back. If they do, I mean, do you have anybody else in mind they take in round two? Well, it's not running back. I mean, before they signed Eric Ebron, I wanted um, Thaddeus Moss. But that's not going to happen now. It wouldn't make any sense because our tight end room now is pretty full. Right. But if they don't go after running back, if he's still on the board, which I don't think he will be because a lot of, a lot of teams like this guy a lot, a safety, Grant Delpit. Yeah, from a, LSU. Yeah. Yes. He's interesting. And he would be a good guy to have for death. Even though we have Minka and we have Terrell Edmonds, I think having a backup there in case someone gets hurt, just having someone else there would make a ton of sense. But I think most likely they'll go after a running back. What would you think of a receiver, just out of curiosity, like a guy like Denzel Mims or uh, the guy from Arizona, just uh, someone outside next to Juju and uh, James Washington? Oh, yeah. I would. I, they will definitely at some point get a receiver. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if they'll go with a receiver in round two, but – it makes a ton of sense because even though, you know, Juju didn't have a great year last year, but that's also because of the quarterback play. Yeah. But, you know, Ian, there was a ton of, you know, pressure on him. James Washington I like a lot. I think he has a lot of room to improve. Deontay Johnson was unbelievable last year. He's only going to get better. But for a wide receiver, I've heard a lot about that guy. I think his name is K.J. Hamler. Oh, yeah, yeah. from uh, Penn State. State. That guy's good. I told you, Tom, this receiving uh, class – is really good. There's a lot of star receivers here. Yeah, that's a guy I like a lot. Dom, back to Delpit for a second. If the Steelers do take him in round two, you're talking about a guy who has seven sacks and seven interceptions combined in his last two seasons from the safety position. Yeah, it's, he's he's very interesting. My he's only there. my only red flag with him is he has a lot of inconsistencies with tackling. I know he has the potential to play the nickel position as well, so I don't know exactly where he'd fit in that Steelers secondary. But you're talking about a kid who played for the national champion team in LSU. I think he'd be a great fit. Uh, talking about receivers, you also talked to me about Devin Duvernay from Texas, smaller guy. Uh, but with a lot of speed and good hands, this receiving class is deep. Oh, yeah, there's been a lot of really good reviews about this guy. They've said he has terrific speed and terrific hands, very fast. He's elusive. His only, his only downside, he's not the best route runner, but that could obviously be improved. But this is a guy that he could return punts to, return kicks. I mean, this is a guy I could see them getting, if he's still available, in like the, he's like a fourth-round kind of guy in that right. kind of territory. And since this receiving class is so loaded, and you know, this guy's also like, even though he's not, he's, not the, he's not the tallest, but he's pretty built, and he's very hard to tackle. That's another guy that we could add to this receiving core that would make a lot of sense. I so think that in the fourth round makes a ton of sense. So, Dom, you're saying wait till round four to take a wide receiver where you could snag a guy like a Duvernay, potentially, a guy who had over 100 catches last year for a Texas team. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, you, we talked about two and four. Who do you have going around three to the Pittsburgh Steelers? I know they need some help in the in the uh, trenches, that is. Yeah, for the third round, I could see them going after someone on the uh, offensive line because we just lost Ramon Foster. That, I mean, That's right. we, I don't think we're going to sign him back anyway, even if he didn't retire. Yeah. But uh, I think it makes a ton of sense to just go after – just a guy that just to add more depth to the O line. 
I like what we have right now, but we need to get a little younger. Like, you know, Marquise Pouncey is now 30 years old. He's not – that's not terribly old for an offensive lineman. He's very durable. He's made the Pro Bowl every year. But a guy like um, Lloyd Cushenberry was a guy that I heard a lot about. Yeah. Yeah. He was a center for LSU. Yeah, and he's also pretty versatile, too. He won't – he can play in other positions, too, but that's a nice guy to have on the O-line behind Pouncey. And he's been – Scouts have said he's, he could be a starter a very long time. He's very durable. Could be a long time starter. Well, so that's pretty. And he's said to have outrageously long arms. Pretty nuts. This guy is 6'3", 315, starting center for the national champion LSU Tigers, redshirt junior. So he has his degree. Uh, yeah. He still has one year left of eligibility, but I believe he's going to come out. What I like about this guy, he's a very good partner to have on combo blocks in the run game. I think he has excellent initial quickness and awareness on his stance in the passing game. My only concern with him, he doesn't generate much vertical movement uh, yes. based off the scouting report. So I think that's one potential red flag for him. But other than that, I mean, you're looking at a lot of LSU guys, Dom. So, uh, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I think now with the expanded playoff field, too, even without it, I think the Steelers are legit contenders to make a push this year with their uh, Big Ben coming back on their center and all the distractions now being out of the way. Exactly. As long as he's healthy, they have a shot. It's re- it was really the quarterback play that was just absolutely awful last year. Yeah, no, I totally agree, Dom. Any final thoughts for me and the guys here? Hmm. Uh, I don't know about final thoughts, but I just have another question for you guys. What do you think about how how will this draft, you know, that it's going to be all virtual, you know, interviews between cameras now. There's not going to be like a stage or anything. How do you think it's going to turn out? How the draft's going to – I think it's going to be weird to watch because you're not used to seeing it. Uh, I know Roger Goodell won't get booed unless they have microphones with <laughs> fake booers there. Exactly. Um, I, I think that's a plus for him. You see him walking with his toupee out there. But, uh, you know, I mean – I think it's going to be strange, especially a guy like Joe Burrow. I could easily see walking across the stage, Chase Young. You know, it's a shame that these guys don't get to walk across, but I think they're going to be treated really well in the NFL. Guys, do you have any thoughts on the uh, the virtual draft? I definitely think that there will be um, some lag or possibly crashes through it, or there will be players and guys that will not be able to get to that virtual draft um for whatever reason i don't know um but i think that's going to how it's going to end up interesting definitely definitely it'll be weird to say um it's just a crazy time right now um i definitely agree with james it wouldn't shock me if we see a lag or two or a delay or, or something crashes here and there i hope not but yeah it's going to be interesting for all of us to to see here Dom, thank you very much for your time, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you more when we figure out who these Pittsburgh Steelers are taking in just a couple weeks. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. All right. Go black and gold. Thanks, Dom. That was Dominic Daniele from Stanford, Connecticut. Guys, uh, obviously the Steelers don't have a first-round pick. Yeah. But um, I think they're in a, a very unique position where they could potentially trade into the first round if there's somebody that they really want to get. Uh, I think they're in a good position. They don't have many weaknesses on their team right now. Yeah. They have spots they need to fill. But I think Mike Tomlin, this really proved why last year 
why Mike Tomlin's like a top three coach in the National Football League. Yeah, no the doubt. second he got in the hot seat 0-4, the Steelers were one game away from making the playoffs, guys. Definitely agree. I mean, he proved it. And that's coming from a Ravens fan, too. I think that come the second round, I, I agree with the running back pick, and I agree uh, potentially with the fourth round pick. But second and third round, it could get interesting for the Steelers, especially um, because they don't have that many holes outside of the running back position and maybe outside of the cornerback position. You could argue Joe Hayden's getting older, Mike Hilton as well. But could they draft a quarterback, guys? You know, maybe a Jacob Eason falling to the second, third round, maybe a guy in Jake Fromm potentially. I mean, because we've seen that Big Ben, if he goes down, I mean, granted, Mason Rudolph and um, – oh, escape my name. Uh, escape my mind right now. The third-string quarterback Duck that they Hodges. had last Doug Hodges. <laughs> those guys cannot be relied on yeah. for another, in case Ben Roethlisberger goes down. So those could be other guys that the Pittsburgh Steelers could potentially be looking at. I'm going to disagree with you completely. Completely. Okay. Uh, Mason Rudolph, look – he was a rookie last year. He was a third-round pick. Uh, I mean, I, last year was his second year in the NFL. Um, look, guys, I mean, I honestly don't think he's a bad player. I think he has all the potential to fill in once Big Ben retires. I still think that's the plan, to be, to be honest with you. Uh, I just don't see the Steelers taking a quarterback because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The Steelers have never reach for a position in a draft that has just made you scratch your head and be like, well, what the heck are they doing? I think if they take a quarterback in round two, three, or four, I mean, it's really going to just be an alarming sight. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's obviously there are some good quarterbacks in the mid rounds, but are they a team that's really going to want to invest in one until like they know how much Roethlisberger has left in the tank or what do they get out of Mason Rudolph? Uh, as the backup quarterback, I, I mean, I could see, I can also see a guy like Eason getting drafted by the Steelers too. I mean, but also it, it really it's interesting to see. I mean, the Steelers are an interesting spot. I think they can really go all over. There's not like a glaring like you know need need that's like yeah, this has to be addressed right now. It's just more of like things that need to be addressed, kind of like for the future, for the near next year and the year after. All right, guys. So let's get let's get back to the Cowboys. Um, oh, do we uh, have to? Can we skip them? We'll put a dress on you, James. How about that? Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> Number seventeen. I have Christian Fulton going to Dallas. Why? They did a video interview with him and went really well. They really like this guy. Mm-hmm. I think there's a cornerback or two that might probably should go before him, but they really like Christian Fulton uh, out of LSU. They lost both Byron Jones and Jeff Heath in free agency. Mm-hmm. They need secondary help, and I think they're going cornerback at number 17. And I think Fulton's the top guy on their board. Yeah, um, Russo, who did you have again? You had McKinney, correct? Because we were talking about yeah. before the phone call. Uh, I yeah. agree with Tom, the new cornerback. I actually said Trayvon Diggs, so we're kind of all in the same area, secondary but different players. So, yeah, I think uh, just James has left. Uh, you, know, you don't want to say it, but who do you think the Cowboys should draft in, the, in your mock draft? The Cowboys should draft? Well, you know, maybe they shouldn't be drafting at all. Um, no, I'm, play. <laughs> I'm playing. Uh, it's McKinney as well. Okay. That, that secondary help. So we all agree it's kind of a big need of the secondary help, I think. That's kind of the big need that's for them right now. But I'm fine if they don't get secondary help because that's only going to help our Giants receivers get down the field. <laughs> so thank you very much for that excellent analysis, James. You know, 
no, you, you and your D jersey tonight, your West Virginia fanatics, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, t- taking you home back to the good old days down those country roads uh, down in Texas. Uh, all right, so Miami <laughs> Dolphins pick number 18. This is where I have Xavier McKinney going. Uh, Funds, you were actually called out on JDF for having Xavier McKinney low yeah. on your draft. Where did you originally have this guy? I still have him here. I actually have McKinney down at uh, where is it, number thirty-one of the 49ers. I know, I know. I, I think it's basically just all up on needs at this point, and I think you know a lot of teams need more corner help than safety help. So yeah, I mean McKinney could easily go to Miami too. I think well, what I have, I'll just say mine. I haven't taken Austin Jackson, offensive tackle from USC. I think at that point, you know, you draft your guy in Tua. Yes, he's going to need another year to. Do. To, to come in and play after injury, but you put in Jackson, you have him play right away, and here's the thing. He can play on the right tackle because, remember, is a left-handed quarterback, so technically the right side will be Tua's blind side, so you can kind of play him in the right side and keep him there for the foreseeable future. So I think they should address the offensive tackle spot and protect your guy in Tua, even though you're going to have to wait a year. Uh, I think their defense, they can wait a little bit because they kind of spent a lot of money on defense, whether it was Shaq Lawson, Kyle Van Noy. Uh, you still have... He, big money to Xavier Howard and now Byron Jones. So I think they can kind of wait on defense until maybe the second round. Because uh, for the other Dolphins pick down the line, it's going to be another offensive player for me. Yeah, I have Xavier McKinney going to the Dolphins because I think, remember, they have three picks in the first round. I'm pretty sure they're the only team with three picks in the first round, which is ac- actually insane. Mm-hmm. Um, James and Kyle, Miami Dolphins. Austin Jackson. You have Austin Jackson? Yep. I have Jedrick Wills out of Alabama. I think if they're going to go along with drafting two, I think they're going to want his offensive lineman as well to kind of have that chemistry. Mm. This low. Wow. Interesting. That's a good point. Yeah, he's still on your board up until now. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. I had him going number nine to Jacksonville. Fonz had him going number 11. James has him going number eight. Uh, Guys, now that we're going through this, do you really think uh, once you get past like the sixth and seventh seventh picks of the draft, do you think it strictly becomes based off of need rather than skill for these top level prospects? I think it's a combination of both, but kind of more of a team need at this point. Um, but a little bit, yet a little bit. To, is he the best player at that position? Obviously, or I mean, I, I would think it's more of a team need at this point. So number nineteen. We have the Las Vegas Raiders again with their second pick of the first round. Um, I have them taking a guy they're in love with, Jalen Johnson, quarterback out of Utah. This guy is good. He is smart. He has good hands for a corner. He's quick, good in uh, press coverage and zone. He doesn't really have a distinctive weakness for me, and I think he fits a void that the Las Vegas Raiders desperately need considering I have them taking a wide receiver at number 12. I, I have them taking a cornerback. Also, I have them taking Christian Fulton from LSU. I think that would be a good spot. They addressed the receiver's part in the first pick. Their second pick in the first round, they addressed the cornerback spot. I definitely like that Jalen Johnson pick, too, from Utah. I have him a, a little bit lower in mine, but he's still, a, he's still a solid corner. Much like the receiver class, the cornerback class is pretty solid, too. Yeah. Guys, Russo and I have uh, Patrick Queen. Linebacker, LSU, linebacker, right? Yep, correct. 
I have the Raiders taking Jeff Gladney, a cornerback out of TCU. I think that uh, they look to address the cornerback position this offseason in Eli Apple. That didn't work out. They traded Gary and Conley uh, during the regular season to the uh, Houston Texans. They definitely need a cornerback, guys. I think they go with Jeff Gladney. All right, guys. So um, we're going to finish off our top 20. Then I'm just going to highlight a couple of other guys we have going due to time constraints Mm because me and Fox have stuff to go over. Um, number 20 for the Jacksonville Jaguars, their second pick of the first round. I have them taking CJ Henderson. This is where I have them taking a cornerback. Uh, they lost Boye and Ramsey. Uh, look, I mean, I think for Jacksonville, um, they, they need Jed, Jedrick Willis at nine, in my opinion. And to, to take CJ Henderson, a guy out of Florida, again, geographically, it makes sense as well. Um, you know, I hate to bring, I hate to keep bringing up that word, but it, it plays a role in where these guys get picked. And I think they really like what they see in this CJ Henderson kid. That's not bad. I don't think he goes that low. I actually have them taking Grand Delpit, the safety out of LSU. I think that'd be, that's something that the Jaguars need help in this. And well, obviously in the cornerback, but the safety position too. What better way to put it than Grand Delpit there at that point, he would fit in nicely there in Jacksonville, him and Derek Brown, that would a nice way to revive that defense. Very, very interesting pick funds. Uh, James and Russo. I'm going to go with Trevon Diggs, uh, quarter cornerback out of Alabama. Okay. I can see it. I'm going to go with Christian Fulton, cornerback at LSU. They need a cornerback. They're losing uh, Bouye and losing uh, Ramsey as well. They need corners. Yeah, we pretty much agree that um, Jacksonville – Needs defense here. Uh, Fonz, I think Grant Delpit is also an option for them mm-hmm. if he can sneak towards the back end of round one. Uh, we're just going to briefly go over um, these next couple of picks. Obviously, I, I mean, I know Philadelphia is at number one. I have Justin Jefferson from LSU go into them. I also have uh, that too. <laughs> same. I have. Sorry. They're in desperate need of wide receiver help. James, who do you have going to Philadelphia? I have T. Higgs from Clemson. T. Higgins from Clemson. Higgins, yep. I have him going next to Minnesota 22. Mm. Uh, Obviously, they just acquired a second first-round pick via the Stephon Diggs trade. Uh, Let's go over the two Vikings picks here quick because I'm interested in those, the Patriots and the Ravens, and then we'll uh, get into our next subject. I have the Vikings taking T Higgins at a wide receiver at a Clemson at number 22, a guy who, who scores a lot. He makes a lot of catches. The Vikings need wide receiver help. Who do you guys have Minnesota at taking at 22? I have Javon Kinlaw at this point. You replace a guy like Linval Joseph up the middle and Kinlaw, uh, a very talented, good talented player could be a lot higher, but that'd be perfect for them in Minnesota. If they can get Javon Kinlaw, that'd be perfect for them. Yeah, Fair. Uh, I have taking uh, Grant Delpit safety at LSU. I think they need safety help. They It doesn't seem like they want to keep on to Anthony Harris. Uh, Andrew Sandejo is older. I think they need to replace uh, those guys. It's a safety position. And yeah. I'm going to go with Jalon Johnson, cornerback from Jaylen. Utah. Good, solid pick. You know what's interesting? You guys are bringing up Grant Delpit. I actually don't have him in my first-round mock draft. I just think that... We're going to see a lot of cornerbacks, linebackers going, and wide receivers as well as offensive line. I don't see that many safeties going in round one. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. 
Maybe Grant Delpit should be in my mock draft at the bottom half of round one. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've overlooked the guy a little bit. I know he's very good for LSU this year, and there's a lot of teams that could use some safety help. I think it's pick your poison for Minnesota if you want to go, whether it's wide receiver, cornerback, or safety. The Vikings pick at 25. I actually have them taking A.J. Terrell, a cornerback out of Clemson. I really like this kid a lot. Yeah, uh, He was great in the national championship game this year. Really liked what I saw from him. Who do you guys have the Vikings taking at number 25? A.J. Terrell also. I think he's, yeah. he's an athletic uh, corner. It would be perfect for their replacing uh, Xavier Rhodes and Trey Wayans there. I like the pick. James and Rousseau, number 25, Minnesota. I'll go. Okay. I have the Vikings taking Zach Bond edge out of Wisconsin. I think that you, for a team that's uh, kind of built on their defense, I think that you can't pass up on a guy this good uh, at this pick. Especially with question marks around longtime lineman Everson Griffin. Yep. And I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson, wide receiver out of LSU. I like that. Me and James basically flip flopped. I did. Uh, I did wide receiver, defense back, and you did the reverse with yep. uh, Johnson and then Justin Jefferson. Yeah, uh, I think Justin Jefferson's great. Uh, He's a really I know good player. He had four touchdown game from Joe Burrow this year. I'm pretty sure it was in a college football playoff. Actually, yeah, uh, yeah, that guy's a beast. All right, so two more picks. We're going to break down. Um, I have the New England Patriots taking A.J. Epeniza, an edge rusher from Iowa. Uh, the reason why they lost Van Noy, I know they like Chase Winovich, but you need two of those guys. And I, I think they want to continue to build on that defense at number 23. Uh, but you could also make the argument they go offensive lineman there as well. So, uh, I mean, A.J. Epeniza is my guy. I'm going opposite here. I'm going different. I really think they pull the trigger on Jordan Love. I really do. Um, I think they they can wait for him to play. They want to play Stidham or Hoyer for that year. Jordan Love's a very good player, has a lot of potential, but he needs a kind of a year or two to develop. I think with that much talent, the Patriots, I think at this point, will not pass it up. Uh, they do have a lot of other needs, but they can. You know how the Patriots do. They'll just take the best available player at that point, regardless of position. And I think at this point, Jordan Love is a talented player. But it just kind of falls out 23 where Jordan Love can go to the Patriots. Fonz, I 100% agree with you. I think the Patriots take Jordan Love at this, uh, at their pick. I'm going to go with the other quarterback, Jalen Hurts. From- Jalen Hurts, damn. Uh, they, I think they go quarterback here at this point, I think. I, I think they, they take a quarterback no matter what, honestly. I disagree. The Patriots did not draft Jared Stidham for no reason last year. I also can't see New England drafting a quarterback that had 17 interceptions in the Pac-12. I just don't see it. I don't see Jordan Love worthy of a first-round pick at all. Uh, I just don't like the guy for New England. I don't think he's a good fit for the system. I don't think Belichick and Kraft will give him a look. Uh, That's just my opinion. Uh, I'm kind of surprised you guys put Love there. I know some experts have been doing that. Some people we've you know researched online and have gotten some notes from, but I just don't see Jordan Love going here. Could to each be, their own, yes, could be a possibility. He could slip, but I think at that point it's either Jordan Love has the talent, but I think at that point it's either Patriots or goes to the second, third round. I think that's it at that point. Maybe the Saints. Falls. Yeah, maybe it's a big maybe, but I think the Patriots would be the best spot at that point for him. 
Yeah, I just don't see New England taking that type of quarterback. Uh, I, I think they're more suited for, you know, a guy like a Justin Herbert or uh, an Eason later on. I just don't see a guy like Love going to them, but we'll see. Um, all right, last pick, Fonz. Your Ravens at number 28. I have Kenneth Murray going to them, linebacker out of Oklahoma, to replace um, you guys lost the linebacker in the offseason, correct? Yeah, Patrick Owansu lost him again. Lost another uh, uh, linebacker after the rookie deal was up. Uh, I, I actually have Murray going to the Saints a couple picks earlier. So at that point, it kind of there's no big linebackers that I would take at that spot. I actually have him going T. Higgins because, in my opinion, Martin, they need a big bodied receiver. T. Higgins is 6'4, and that's the perfect red zone target for Lamar Jackson. Marquise uh, Brown is good. But I think at that point you need another option for him there. Cool. Yeah, I could see it. They need. They definitely need some receiver help for sure. If there was one weakness on that team last year, the depth that wide receiver was that one. Definitely. Kyle, you're up. Oh, oh you cut out. My bad. Uh, I <laughs> well at the linebacker position for the Ravens. You have a you have a linebacker. Sorry. Yeah, Kenneth Murray as well. Kenneth, oh, Kenneth Murray as well. Okay, James, and I have Terrell Lewis. Okay, from Alabama. So, obviously, our full complete mock drafts one through thirty-two for round one will be posted um, over the weekend. But me and Funds want to go over some stuff here quick. I know we're short on time, but obviously I want to take a look back in the decade that was and go over uh, draft picks that were made by the New York Giants in the last 10 years. And I know James and Kyle as Giant fans, this is our team. We want to take a look at who our Giants potentially get. Uh, I know James thinks it's Derek Brown. Me and Kyle think it is Isaiah Simmons. Hope to goodness it's Isaiah Simmons because guys – and the organization love him. So let's take a look back. Uh, dating back to last year, the Giants took Daniel Jones, number six overall, still on the roster, of course, only entering his second year. In just 12 games, he had 24 touchdown passes and over 3,000 passing yards. Good selection at number six. Head scratcher at the time, wasn't sure why. Was I thought that, was good, that was a pretty good selection, yeah. and he proved a lot of people wrong, uh, including people in this live stream right now. <laughs> um, I'm not going to hundred percent say I was sold on that man either. Um, but good job. Year one, Daniel Jones, 2018 Saquon Barkley, number two, overall just finished the second full season with the giants. 2018 rookie of the year had over 1000 rushing yards in his first two seasons each and 17 total rushing touchdowns in his first two years. Kyle and James, I think it's safe to say the Giants have done an overall really good job finding their franchise running back and potential franchise quarterback in these last two drafts. No doubt. I agree. No doubt. 2017, Giants potentially, with injury hiccups and roadblocks in the way, draft their franchise tight end and Evan Ingram, number 23 overall, currently just finished his third full season with the Giants, has 12 touchdowns, in his career through three seasons. This is a big what if. What if he's been healthy? Looking back, how do we evaluate this Evan Ingram pick? 
you give it you give it a B. You give it a B because when he's on the yeah. field, he's one of the best tight ends to come out of that draft. I know. Uh, me personally, I was hoping that a guy in OJ Howard would have fell, but he didn't. Um, even a David Joke, who at the time was working out with Jeremy Shockey, I thought it was a lock at the tight end position for the Giants. That didn't wind up happening. But out of those guys, Evan Ingram has been the best tight end, but he just has not been healthy. So you got to give it a B. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, James, I'll, I'll get to you here on this next pick. Uh, Go ahead. 2016, the Giants take Eli Apple, number 10 overall, cornerback out of Ohio State, played two full seasons with the Giants, and then traded after just five games to the Saints in 2018. Uh, Eli Apple was clearly a bust, James. Uh, break this down for us. I mean, he just really never panned out. He never came to what the hype was or what he was expected to do. Um, honestly, we thought it would have been a good lockdown for us. Um but obviously, as we saw, it wasn't working out. I honestly would probably give him like a C minus D. I mean, yes, he was always on the field, um, but he wasn't. He he made stupid penalties and stupid plays that hurt our defense. I think he was a bad locker room guy too. Oh, a hundred percent, yeah. And he and, was a reach too. I remember that year there were people saying that that was a guy that wouldn't even be a first round draft pick, and the Giants picked him with a tenth overall pick. This was just one of many head-scratchers. And the last hurrah, uh, almost the last hurrah for Jerry Reese's GM, uh, this was the last defensive player the Giants drafted in the first round four years ago in 2016. The last three years, the Giants have taken an offensive player, and the Giants have much more needs on their defense than their offense as a team, which is why I think the trend changes this year, but we'll wait and see. 2015. The Giants draft the worst first-round draft pick. No, not the worst first-round draft pick. The first, the worst draft pick in team history, drafting Eric Flowers. Never <laughs> got cut. Oh, man. Fourth season, he was so bad. We want to just forget about him. And you know what? We're going to save our uh, minds some uh, positive uh, thoughts, and we'll just skip over to the, to the next player. Uh, okay. This might this might make Kyle Russo get a little emotional. 2014, uh, 2014 <laughs> the Giants draft Odell Beckham Jr., a wide receiver at number 12 out of LSU, five years for the Giants, had 44 touchdowns in five years. Kyle Russo, I will give you the honor of breaking down this first-round draft pick and what you thought at that time for the Giants. You didn't know what to expect. As a Giants fan, I, I can't say that. I was happy with the pick at the time. I know a lot of people didn't like it. And then when he came into the uh, Giants organization, he was hurt. I believe for the first eight games or so, people were already calling him a bust. And he proved all the doubters wrong. And for a point in time, there were people comparing him to Jerry uh, Jerry Rice. And, you know, then it just didn't pan out that way. You know, Ben McAdoo puts him in preseason week two against the Cleveland Browns, a team that's 0-16. Why are you putting one of the best receivers in football? In a preseason game against the worst team in all of football, who knows? But after that injury, he just couldn't stay on the field. Dave got him to decide to pay him and then break my heart. But it is what it is. You got to move on. Um, but definitely. Next, one of the greatest, right? Yeah, they're definitely one of the greatest offensive players the Giants have ever had. No doubt. Thank you very much, Odell Beckham Jr. In 2013, the Giants draft Justin Pugh, number 19 overall, 
an offensive lineman out of Syracuse. This was a very interesting pick. It made sense at the time. I thought he was our best offensive lineman out of that we had during that time. Him and Weston Richburg were the two consistent players that we had, but they were both always hurt. In five years with the Giants, Pew played two different positions. He started at right tackle. Then they moved him into left guard. Uh, James, you remember Pew very well. We, we saw him growing up. This was around the time we graduated high school. Uh, what do you think of Justin Pugh at this time? In the middle of the first round, I thought it was a really good pick. It was a good pick. For him to bounce around to all the dip- different positions and give Eli the protection he needed, it was a good pick at the time. And then, go ahead. No, that was it. No, and then I was just going to say Justin Pugh was uh, signed by the Arizona Cardinals after at the end of two off seasons ago. All right, so 2012, David Wilson. Uh, this was the year the Giants won the Super Bowl, the last pick of the first round, running back out of Virginia Tech. Um, only played 21 career games before a career-ending injury. It was very sad. He was a very electric player. Uh, in fact, a lot of people forget the Giants did draft two running backs this past decade. Everyone, everyone forgets about David Wilson. I remember him. Yeah. yeah. I remember him. I remember him well. It's a shame. It's he a shame. Did the, he did the backflip in the end zone. And I'm going to be honest with you, this was a very good pick by the Giants. They oh, nailed the pick. They, they nailed it. It's just it's very unfortunate. A blink of an eye, a split second, a snap of a finger could end your NFL life. Yeah. 2011, the Giants draft Prince Amu Kamara, who spent five years with the Giants and had three interceptions in 2014. This was a guy who, very good morals, a lot of good faith, and he was a very nice guy. He just never panned out to be that number one cornerback the Giants wanted him to be. Um, and guys, you look at a lot of the spots where the Giants drafted, and with the exception of the last three years, a lot of people make the argument that, oh, the Giants haven't been in the playoffs in a while. The Giants were just missing the playoffs when they missed the playoffs last decade. There's a lot of nine and seven seasons where the Giants did not make the playoffs. Uh, there were a couple seven and nine, six and tens in there as well in the middle of the decade. But at the very beginning, remember 2010, I'm sorry, 2011, the Giants were 10 and six and they were the last team out. They drafted 19th overall twice. They drafted 19th overall where they went nine and seven, 10 and six, and they just missed the playoffs something a lot of people don't take into consideration. Both of those years, teams with worse records in the AFC made the playoffs. So it's just very interesting how the cookie crumbles sometimes. And then in 2010, number 15 overall, the Giants drafted Jason Pierre-Paul, eight years with the Giants, 16 and a half sacks in 2011. Great pick, but unfortunately, the fireworks incident, it didn't end the way Giants fans wanted to. Yeah. It's been rough. Still, still a better defensive end than anything that the Giants have had since they got rid of them. Just a uh, quick announcement, guys. We're going to go a little over tonight. That's okay. We can take our time through this. This is our first OBS live stream. Thank you very much for uh, tuning in. And we are going to get to Fonz here in just a moment. I just wanted to wrap this up. Seven of the last ten draft picks this decade have been offensive players. The Giants have often gone away from their forte of drafting defensive players. 2020, it's a new decade. It's a new beginning. It's time for change. 
go defense. As the last pick was not made on defense since 2016, this is what idolizes the Giants. Drafting first-round pass rushers like Jason Pierre-Paul was the last pass rusher drafted in round one by the New York football Giants. Thank you very much, Fonz. We're moving on to your Baltimore Ravens. Oh, yeah. There last decade of first round draft picks yeah this is all right so uh, i'll start off i'll do the i'll do 2019 this past year they uh drafted marquise hollywood brown uh i'm really too soon to say i think he's gonna be really good to really love for them only had only 500 yards but he did have seven touchdowns again the future's bright i don't want to go out and say that this guy's a bust and whatnot i want to see how it is first 2018 they actually had two picks the first one was hayden hurst with the 25th overall pick I had an okay uh, tenure. I would probably give it in like a C minus or whatever. The injuries were a problem. And then, of course, Mark Andrews was the third round pick that year. And then Nick Boyle outplayed him. So now he shipped off to Atlanta. But, of course, that number 32, they traded back into the first round. They got Lamar Jackson. I think that's a, I think it's, it's a pretty solid A right now, maybe, unless, you know, something happens. But it's an A for, a for now. 2017, Marlon Humphrey was drafted 16th overall. Uh, took a couple of years to develop, but he's now into a lockdown corner. Took him a while, but it's good. I love that pick. The year prior was actually, now that I look at it, 2016, that was their highest uh, selection at number six because after that, the next highest was 16 with Marlon Humphrey. So that just shows you that they've always been uh, in the latter end of the first round. But yeah, at sixth overall, it took Ronnie Stanley. It took a while, but now he's developed into a premier left tackle. Uh, the year before that, though, 26th overall, they got... Brashad Perryman. Does anyone remember Brashad Perryman? No. Hey, he's a Jets receiver. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he did not play a Raven snap until his second season because of uh, injuries. That was fun. They'd say he was a bust for them. The year prior, 2014, 17th overall, they got C.J. Mosley. was a solid four, five-year starter for them at the middle linebacker spot. Now he's on the Jets. Classic case of the Ravens never re-signed their, running, their linebacker excuse me, after their rookie deals are up. Year prior, fresh off the Super Bowl win, they drafted Matt Elam, thirty-second overall. He could not stay healthy, and he just was—he just was—he kept blowing coverages left and right too. It was not really the best pick for them. Twenty twelve, didn't have a first-round pick. I think they traded it away. I believe twenty twelve, they traded it to the Minnesota Vikings. So we'll go to twenty eleven. Twenty seventh overall, Jimmy Smith was never a top corner. He's been pretty good though. He's still playing with that team today, so I think it's I I give it like a A minus because he's still been on the team. Uh, still probably a, a good corner for them. Now he's looking at more of the nickel with Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey playing over him now. And then 2010, no pick. They traded it. They had the 25th, but of course the Broncos traded back for Tim Tebow. Actually, story about that. They wanted to originally draft Des Bryant, but Des Bryant got drafted right before to the Cowboys. So then the, they took the trade with the Broncos, and the Broncos got Tim Tebow. And I actually looked this up. Uh, what is it? Uh, they originally did not only had one Pro Bowler before the 2018 season. That was C.J. Mosley. Now with Ronnie Stanley, Mon Humphrey, and Lamar all getting their first Pro Bowl nods, they now have four Pro Bowlers since 2010 uh, with their draft picks. So overall, I think the Ravens have done a, a pretty excellent job outside of Elam and Perryman, and you can maybe maybe make the case for Hurst. Funds, uh, and I, I really like your analysis. Ravens, four Pro Bowlers drafted in the first round this past decade. The Giants have three mm-hmm. with uh, Barkley, Odell, and JPP. Um, now, Funds, Jimmy Smith drafted in 2011 will be returning to the Baltimore Ravens this yeah. season. I, I kind of expected it. Uh, uh, the veterans minimum probably goes to the nickel spot here. 
I'm a huge fan of him. I mean, there are times where he can he get injured a little bit here and there, but he was always he's always been somewhat consistent here on the field, and then fans love him, so nothing wrong with that. He can be a better nickel corner now than being like the start the full time starter. Yeah, no, it's safe to say he's always been in the mix for the Baltimore Ravens. So. Yeah, I guess you can say that. I give it. I mean, he never he won a Super Bowl. Obviously, he was a starter for the Super Bowl run. Never made an All Pro team or a Pro Bowl nod. But still, I give it the A because he's been there for so long and always been a consistent starter for them. So that's why he gets the high grade for me. So out of the draft picks by the Ravens in the first round this past decade, you have one, two, three, four still on the roster. Mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown, Lamar Jackson, Marlon Humphrey, five, excuse me, Ronnie Stanley, and Jimmy Smith. The Giants have just three. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Evan Ingram, who were selected in the previous three drafts. Uh, in my opinion, uh, JPP should still be on this roster, and Kyle's opinion, Odell Beckham Jr., should still be on this Giants roster. Um, again, sports is a business, and we really have to remember sometimes that uh, not everybody can stay with one team their whole career, and there's a lot of turnover in this NFL. There's so many guys drafted every year. And I think, guys, the four of us can all agree, this is what makes the NFL so great of how competitive this league is. And there's only so many guys that can make the roster every single year. And it's overlooked. Like a guy like Jimmy Smith, like Fonz just brought up, he may not be the best player in the NFL, but he's been good enough to be a Baltimore Raven for the past decade. Yeah. It re- I really wanted us to take a look back tonight to see how teams have done and how great teams have drafted in the past. And the Baltimore Ravens are a good example. Uh, you know, up until a, a few years ago, the Giants were also a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, team that's done that. And hopefully the Giants can get back to that level as well. I do think the Baltimore Ravens have a very bright future. I think there's potential for a bright future for the Giants as mm-hmm. well. Uh, before we close out the show tonight, I want to first off thank all you guys for joining me tonight. All four of us did a fantastic job talking about our mock drafts. But yeah. Now we're going to get to the fun part. Um, So we have a new social media challenge that will be launching this week. uh, Thanks to James Montefusco, who has taken the bull by the horns on this one. Um, So I want everyone to list one stadium that they've been to in their life. That's been their favorite stadium. And James, since we did this, we'll start with you. Um, and then just tell us your favorite stadium that you've been to. So uh, my favorite stadium is going to be Shea Stadium. Um, obviously, as a Met fan, growing up with the Mets, um, first ballpark I've ever went to as a kid, caught my first foul ball there. It means a lot um, to have Shea Stadium as my number one. Kyle. Yankee Stadium. There's nothing like, the, besides football, I can't think of a better atmosphere to be around. I've been fortunate enough to go to a lot of games over the course of the last couple of years. Uh, very good games that have been intense. And the, and the fans, there's, there's nothing like it. There's really nothing like it. And to be there is just really special for me. I'm going to go with Madison Square Garden. Uh, I went there when, uh, obviously, my first Knicks game when I was a, a young kid when they played the then New Jersey Nets. And the basketball has been always been, you know, my I love the Ravens, but you know, the Knicks are whatever. But basketball has always been still my number one sport. 
And, you know, just the Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena. It's just I just love going there. I love going to the games, even though the Knicks stink at times. But it's just a great uh, place to go to. And even though James Dolan is, that's another story. But I still love going to Madison Square Garden. Very well said, Fon. So you guys all stayed within New York. You have MSG, Shea Stadium for James, Yankee Stadium for Kyle. The first stadium I've ever been to for a professional sports game, I think, was also Shea Stadium. But for me, I'm going to go on the other side of the river to New Jersey to MetLife Stadium. Uh, You know, I've been to three Giants games in my life, and they have won all three games. Just the atmosphere in the stadium, there's nothing like being at a football game representing your favorite NFL team. Uh, and that really means a lot to me to support a franchise that has the third most wins in NFL history um, and the New York football giants. And just to be a part of that, to see the banners, to see all the guys that have been in the giants ring of honor, the jerseys that have been retired, it's just very historic being there. Um, and of course the old giant stadium as well, but obviously I know it by MetLife now uh, growing up, you know, we had giant stadium, but, that's my favorite. So the reason why we're listing our favorite stadiums now is because our challenge this week, I believe, James, we're going to start this on Monday? Uh, Sunday. Sunday. So we're going to start Sunday. on Sunday. Uh, each person will talk about, they will list some stadiums that they've been to. They'll tell us your favorite, like you did tonight, and you're going to reveal which stadium you want to go to next. Number one stadium you would like to attend to next. And Fonz is going to make a graphic for us of each person's mock draft on the day that the uh, stadium post goes up so you guys can see our full mock draft as well. Really looking forward to this, trying to bring you guys some offline content during the week because we know everybody is missing sports right now, including the four of us dearly. Um, And just so we know, next week we're going to have a couple of guests. We're going to have Gabe Flayton talk some Minnesota Vikings draft plans. Paul Lombardi will also be calling in to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. And we're going to flirt with our round two, possibly go over some round two picks. Uh, And until then, guys, any final thoughts here? First OBS live stream tonight, guys. It was. uh, I like it. We finally got it done. I think we did very good uh, for our first go around. Uh, Definitely can look to change up some things, but it's great stuff. I mean, uh, love doing the show. And now, you know, despite what's going on, we're still able to get some content out for all the fans here. I agree with you 100%. James and Kyle, thank you very much as well. Any final thoughts? Just hope to continue the success of this show. It's It's been a great, I think this is a major step in uh, the progression. Uh, again, just being, uh, having this atmosphere, being back in sports without having sports at the moment is just uh, something I treasure and something I enjoy every Friday. And I think now it's good because we'll be able to bring content to you guys every single week, every Friday night, 8 to 10 p.m., uh, yeah, and it's great. Eight and a half years strong for the show. On behalf of James Montefusco, Kyle Russo, and Fonz DeFalco, I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, saying so long, wishing you guys a good evening. You've been watching Review and Preview here on Facebook Live. Good night, everyone.